of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on February the 5th, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, someone who doesn't feel very vampiric, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. We're going to be talking about our slightly late January game club, which was Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. We'll be revealing our next game club game for February. EA turns in a bummer fiscal report. Quote, we're disappointed in our underperformance, end quote. Fallout 76 fans are in full revolt following Bethesda's latest patch. <laughs> Ubisoft is sorry for offensive Division 2 marketing email flaunting a real government shutdown. And we will be having a weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you today? Oh, uh, a lot better now that I could uninstall uh, Vampire of the Masquerade. Spoilers for the game club, although, I mean, my opening was also spoilery. And several of the people in the community know how you felt. So I guess this is really only a surprise to people who don't participate much on Discord. Or have never uh, heard me talk about a game club because, you know, my views of things. True. Or also someone who's completely brand new to the show and has been drawn to this episode, potentially because they are a fan of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. If so, uh, well, I'm not sorry. It's okay. This is one of the game clubs where... One of only two game clubs where our views are pretty much the opposite. So, major spoilers for, like, I don't know, 45 or 50 minutes from now when we get to it. Uh, also, just in case somebody notices, which I think you will, but... I don't know. I always hear people talk about, oh, I apologize for the audio quality in the podcast this week. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I can't hear what you're talking about. But my normal mic, my regular recording mic, uh, there's something wrong with the cable. It uses a USB cable and it's, I don't know, dying or gone bad or something. And it was producing this odd ticking staticky sound. So I have swapped back to my old recording mic, which I kept just in case I ever needed it. Uh, and I needed it. But it is a lower quality mic, so I do apologize for any quality issues you hear from me this week. I will do my best in post to take care of it. But, I mean, the quality difference, at least in my ears, is night and day between the two mics. So, just because I've gotten so used to hearing my voice with the other one. When I was doing testing, I was like, oh. But this is definitely better than the mic I was using for uh, game night last night, so... Uh, what, uh, you're not trying to send a Morse code message in your audio? No, and also the headset mic I swapped over to, because I couldn't find this mic last night. Uh, I found it today, it was where I thought it was, in the storage box, and I was about to say, uh, wait, you found it? Yeah, it was in a storage box in my wife's office, but I didn't want to go in there last night and dig around for it, because if I accidentally woke up my wife or my kid, there, uh, there would be hell to pay, so, uh... I just was like, I'll leave it. I found a headset mic. It, it'll be good enough. We'll figure it out. So, yay, adventures with AV equipment. <laughs> Granted, I don't have a fancy setup or anything. Well, just considering uh, you have a, a microphone that has a USB plug, I think uh, it's rather apparent. You have to admit, though, for what that mic is, 
it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, that's the thing. I, mean, like, I can't I don't really want... uh, say much on that because you know, my microphone also is USB, but you know, it's decent enough. Yeah. Or at least for this work. If 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 I was doing some sort of professionally produced something, I would go, you know, with everything. Get a soundboard and uh, a DAC and, you know. If you were doing a professionally uh, uh, voice acting, I would question the director. <laughs> I'm, uh, this year I intend to do some uh, test recordings for audiobooks. Um, I'd love to actually narrate things. I can really get into that. I'm I'm I don't have like a huge vocal range, but I've got several different voices that I can do. Um, and you pick this and one, things like that. Well, you know, this is my normal voice, and I'm lazy when it comes to doing things for the show, so I'm not going to do any of my other voices. Only the best for you guys, right? Oh yeah. But that's something I'd like to do this year. But I don't. I mean, I'm not. I don't intend to upgrade my setup for that. I think my current one is good enough. If they tell me it's not, then, you know, so be it. I'll get some soundproofing and an even higher quality mic. But, yeah. I did a lot of research before I picked that one up. Looking for, you know, a, a, a good, well, you could always less uh, expensive. If you wish to get some practice in without, you know, getting paid for it, you can always go to Project Gutenberg. Yeah. Didn't even think of that. I could do that, though. Thanks. Make a note of that. But um, my grandmother-in-law, so Katie's grandmother, did it for a while. She recorded audiobooks. And, you know, she has a sweet grandma voice. So she did, like, a lot of children's books and stuff. But I was like, I mean, if she can do it, surely I can do it. So... Just a little little thing I want to try and do this year. But, anyways, there were a couple of good segue opportunities several minutes ago, but now that we've ventured into audiobook territory, Rach, why don't you tell me about uh, about the games you played this week? What, you didn't plan a good segue? Nah. Oh, uh, well, I guess it just didn't click then. <laughs> see, I see what you're doing there, because I know what your game is, but I'm choosing to ignore it. I just, this one didn't, like, fly past me. Unlike many of my uh, comments and uh, references. Well, you you reference things that I'm not familiar with. Damn kid. So, uh, the first game that I played was Space Plan. A idol slash clicker with a story. Which is weird to begin with. And they say that Space plan on the uh, store page is an experimental piece of interactive uh, uh, of interaction based on a partial, uh, partly on a total misunderstanding of Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. <laughs> yep. Which, okay, I can see that. I, it's, I never actually read the entire thing. I actually own a copy of it. It's just, I never read all of it, but, oh, th- this is such a weird, weird game. All centered around potatoes for some reason. I guess someone really enjoyed uh, potatoes from uh, Portal 2, huh? Yep. So you wake up in a spaceship. And the only thing there is the AI that's been severely damaged. And 
The only thing that it knows how to do is everything based around potatoes. Because, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So, you eventually get to Earth, and you found that all life has been wiped out. So, the AI decides the best course of action on this, based on a misunderstanding of A Brief History of Time, is to go to the end of the universe via time travel to the point that a big crunch happens, and essentially the universe reboots itself. Think uh, like Futurama, you know, uh, the, one of their time travel episodes where they go through the entire uh, timeline and come back and the universe resets, only the entire universe is like two feet lower. <laughs> wasn't, uh, no, wasn't that the finale? The, uh, um, I'm not sure if it was the finale. I know they've uh, done time travel several times. Yeah, I've not seen all of Futurama. I've seen a bunch of it. But this was one of the older episodes, so it's not the finale. Okay. They may revisit it because, you know, uh, Futurama also loves uh, self-referential humor. Well, you know, who doesn't? Uh, And, of course, this is going to be edited out the long pause that I'm just leaving there awkwardly for you, but still. Yep, obviously. Anyways. Uh, So, space plan, uh, the AI decides, yo, let's, uh, I read this book one time and I'm, Pretty sure I got the gist of it, so let's just throw everything into the sun, create a black hole, and time travel with it. And it works. It, they time travel, but they end up in an altered dimension where the Earth is inhabited with potatoes. Sentient potatoes. And then things get weird <laughs> very quickly. But the fact that it's a clicker game that... well. To pardon the term or phrase, clicked with me is you know, weird to begin with because you know, I typically don't like these games. I typically hate them, actually. Actively hate them. Yep. To be fair, I also so, cheated like hell on this because I rigged my mouse to do 100 clicks a second. <laughs> well, you know, that's okay. But honestly, that yeah, wasn't I've... even really required. That just cut down my playtime to uh, uh, just under the two-hour mark. Didn't I get this game for you? Because yeah, I, I played so. it in late 2017, talked about it on the show, and there was a lot of stuff I purposely didn't talk about because I was like, yeah, look, well, this well, is a clicker well, game. Well, well, I stopped on uh, the big twist, you know, because yeah. because there's a bunch of stuff after that. Uh, and you alluded that there was a big twist. Mm-hmm. And I got to what I thought was the end of the game. I was like, oh, okay, where's the big twist? Uh, you know, Jared was saying that you know, it changes and... Then the cutscene happens. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, so there it is. <laughs> uh, and then the shift in in gameplay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a clicker, but you know, it changes a few things up. Yeah, it took almost a shooter. Yeah, sort of. It, it just it, it it makes me wish it was longer. But then again, I also cheated like hell, so you know, I probably knocked a good hour of gameplay off of it. Or I yeah. or I should say, sitting around watch, uh, waiting because uh, part. Uh, uh, yeah, towards the end of the first half, I was pretty much just sitting here holding down the macro button, uh, watching a movie, <laughs> uh, because it had uh, some definite padding on it, because it's a clicker game, right? Yeah. So then, you know, we'll kind of talk around it. We won't spoil it. But what did you think of the very ending of the game? Uh, it definitely there's a couple of illusions that you could uh, draw from it. Uh. 
and I can't say you know exactly what, uh, but you know you could draw a couple conclusions from it, and I like that they left it kind of open to interpretation. You know, right? So actually, you, why don't we do this? I, I do want to talk about this for a minute and just pick your brain and see what you think. Um, at this point, listener, I'm going to cut out whatever it is that we talk about for spoils, spoilsies, and put it after the uh, the outro song. So if you've played the game or if you just don't care and you want to hear about it, you can hear our spoiler discussion there. Uh, and we'll cut back in a minute to either when we're being non-spoilery or when we move on to the next game. So, okay, so I'll I'll drop back out of spoilers now. Um, just because before we move on to a different game, I do want to say, like, every, you know, I, I do get into a lot of weird, silly, ridiculous games, but every once in a while, when you dive into stuff like that, you find something like this that is really interesting and different and, you know, dare I say unique, uh, and I wholeheartedly recommend it to anybody, and the fact that you're someone who doesn't like this type of game is going, actually, it was quite good, just, you know, to summarize, like, I did good. I, I feel like I did good on this one. I've got a real big smile on my face. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, you're the broken clock this week. <laughs> That's fine. I can live with that. I'll be back to all my weird, bullshit, anime, whatever games next week. And many weeks to come. Yeah, but it was actually... Uh, uh, the fact that I enjoyed it, I think it's the biggest testimonial possible. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm going to rip apart a game uh, a little bit later. <laughs> yep, yep. You're you're a very harsh critic sometimes. Uh, speaking you're a of cruel mistress. Uh, speaking of harsh critics, uh, how about your streaming quality? <laughs> yeah, that was not my fault. Uh, Aside from the audio problems, which kind of was, which I've already talked about, everything on my end was saying that there were no problems. So unless OBS and uh, Mixer were lying to me about what my upload was. That was not my fault. So we had uh, our first community game in quite a while. And yep. did the Jackbox Party Pack. And this was the second time I played it because the first time was with Ghost Shark. Yeah, yep. I think it was it was Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, we did, the uh, you know, you don't know Jack, the actual quiz portion. And... Uh, uh, last water, which is essentially a yeah, uh, true false uh, for various statements, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, you know it's more trivia, mm-hmm. but it's just simple true false. Yeah, but honestly, since it's true false, you could uh, yeah, coin flip a lot of it. Yeah, and then we also played Fibbage. We did that Friday night as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. What? Which is um, you know, a, a statement is made with a blank in it, and you get to fill in the blank, and the idea is to create the best lie that people will believe is the correct answer. And you get more points the more people choose your lie over the other lies or the actual correct answer, which shows up. Yeah, and this is a party game. So uh, in order to uh, be able to play it, well, don't you have a phone? (laughs) Do you not have phones? So only one person actually has to have the game and run it, and you can either stream it or play it, you know, locally or whatever. And you just collect on or collect, connect on your smartphone or tablet to essentially the... The server. The, the, the server. Uh, the dedicated server, because it all links into uh, Jackbox TV's uh, servers, and there's a four-letter four code that you have to 
uh, in order to be able to log into the server. And for uh, the first time around, yeah, you know, it worked flawlessly. But mm -hmm. there was just something going on where all the animations were sluggish. Uh, you were, and, uh, or if it wasn't you, it was the stream itself dropping frames. At one point, I was dropping more frames than I was getting to the point that I actually went and did a network test to see, is it me? <laughs> yeah, everyone was. Ex I I think it was either Mixer or depending on which sort of server you were connecting to via Mixer, which I guess would be their fault too, because everyone was connecting through different. Uh, districts mixer server or different districts because uh cube was not having very many problems i mean he was noticing some dropped frames but you know he was saying it was all right you were having some problems and jim's was a disaster and jim is all the way in california so yeah I, ghost didn't say he was going he was in silent running because his he had his kid last night so he was just playing and sitting on discord uh, saying they're breeding chat. Yeah, to to type in text chat. Yeah, at one point uh, after one game, I lost what was it, four thousand, five thousand frames. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, you were uh, were you running in thirty or sixty fps? So I was running in sixty. I was mm -hmm. streaming in sixty, and then later I changed it to thirty to see well, if that would help. Well, still that. Dropping uh, that many frames is a, over a minute and a third <laughs> uh, yeah. of just drop frames. I mean, that that's absurd, right? Yeah, that's really bad. Now, there weren't dropped... I think it had to do... Because Mixer has got a low latency mode. Yeah. I forget what they call it. But it's only around a second of stream delay, mm -hmm. which makes, you know, Jackbox pretty playable because, you know, yeah, it's technically playable is... in uh, Twitch, but it's not nearly uh, as so as Mixer. But yeah, uh, going to low latency mode, that's when I was dropping frames like crazy. If I left low latency mode, it was fine. Yeah. So, but unfortunately, it introduces so much uh, you know, delay that it's you know, unplayable. Yeah, it's between seven and 10 seconds of delay, which is more time, you know, for most of the most of the game modes than you have to really participate. In fact, it might be all of the game modes. I think Fibbage is the only one that has a long period of time whenever you're trying to come up with your lie. Mm -hmm. It gives you like I think 15 seconds or so. Yeah, so uh overall though on uh, Jackbox, I I'll, I'll say that it's fun for the first few times, but Damn, does that have a, sh a short shelf life on it? Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised at how short it was because, uh, uh, at least on Fibbage and uh, Lost Water, uh, you have different categories or the questions come up uh, at pretty regular intervals from different categories. And on just two different play sessions, each one, you know, four or five uh, uh, rounds. We were seeing a lot of repeat questions and a lot of repeat yeah. categories, which doesn't tell me that there's a lot of uh, of a pool there. And it doesn't seem like they have different questions for the different categories, at least in Fibbage. Yeah, I'm not sure about Lysewater. No, Lysewater definitely was, uh, has uh, seeing some uh, repeats as well. Yeah, but Fibbage, whatever the category is, is just tied to one single question, which is ridiculous. Um, 
for you don't know Jack. I mean, we only played that Friday night. Yeah, but, but that has different not... episodes. Yeah, but that's essentially the main mode, you know. Yeah. Um, what are the ones we didn't play? Drawful, mm-hmm. and there was one other one. There's five total. Uh, I can't remember what it is, but there were two modes we haven't played at all. So there's still some yeah some replay value life. to it. And for you don't know Jack, I don't know how many um episodes you know, how or... large the yeah how many there are yeah. But honestly, you don't know Jack was the least fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not bad, but. Lice water is really fast, and you get a lot of really silly well, as long as you're not joke streaming. we kept making. <laughs> ha ha. No, the no, joke no, you, we no, kept you're, making. No, your animations were just uh, so sluggish. I don't know. I, yeah, I, but I don't know what that was, because on the local, like, locally it wasn't doing that, and on the capture for upload, it wasn't doing that either. It was only when you watched it on the stream, it had that stutter. So, but anyways... You know, Flyswatter goes by pretty quick, um, and there's a lot of things that basically the joke is, God, I hope that's true. Like something so ridiculous or stupid or silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, because of uh, Fibbage, the the players make up the lies. You get a huge variety of answers, at least. Yeah, but the problem is that the questions repeat, so you start to lose the ability to really be able to pull off a lie. Yeah. But... You know, that has got, I think, a little bit... Or that made it a little more fun, at least until we got through most, if not all, of the questions. So. Yeah, which is disappointing that the uh, pool is that short, you know? Yeah, well, there's... What? Five of these at this point? Like, five different... True. Jackbox Party Pack iterations or whatever? I mean, I guess the goal is to get you to get more of them so you can swap between Mm -hmm. them and have more content. I mean, the main reason that we have this is because it was given away for free on the uh, Epic Store, which you you know you don't have it because you don't actually have to have the game to connect and play. But myself and Ghost Shark and yeah, and I specifically am am refusing to get it. Yeah, and that's fine, but you know that's the only reason that we even have it is because it was free. So I don't know. I like. I mean, I you know I'd probably play a few or pay a few bucks for it. You know, four or five bucks as just like a quick thing to have for when family or friends or whatever are over. Um, the questions don't get too bad. I mean, they get a little bit raunchy and there's some swearing and stuff. But, you know, unless you have a mom like my mom, uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's not really too big of a deal. Like, I wouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed or worried about showing it to my in-laws or Oof. any of my friends or anything. Yeah, the party pack is a lot more expensive than I would have paid for it. How much is it? Uh, It's normally 25 bucks. Oh. Uh, yeah. I've... Yeah. I, I feel like it's a good, like, $5 in. I mean, even on sale right now, since we have the lunar sale on Steam, it's 12 bucks. I'm, I might could be convinced to go 10 because really only one person has to have it. True. But there's just there's just not that much replay value, it seems. Maybe the later versions have got more, um, you know, more content or increased replayability. But wow, uh, yeah, the, the fifth version ha- is thirty bucks. Damn, right? Yeah. I'm trying to see if it says how many modes there are. 
invent something. Oh, that's a picture. I don't know. Whatever. It looks like uh, too much time on it. Uh, people saying that it crashes like crazy. Sweet. When I say sweet, I mean not sweet. It does uh, uh, make me wonder if there's uh, you know a uh, market here for more streamer focused uh, multiplayer games. As in, you know, the streamer's the only one that has to have it. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is that, you know, well, for one, you're banking on you know, getting a big streamer to show up with it because, you know, unless you're paying them, there's not always the, you know, the promise of that happening. Also, you're banking on keeping your servers alive because, you know, Jackbox has to host the servers, at least for, you know, this. Uh, yeah. And also, you know, you're in danger of flooding the market if, you know, too many do this because, you know, there's only so many streamers or there's so many big enough that it would warrant a a, a game like Lost Water that could have up to 100 people. You know, you get into the Battle Royale problem. Yeah. Where it's not as interesting because you get, you know, one guy in there that knows all the questions. Yeah, that happened to us. We got a, a random person who was watching the stream and, or stream and joined in on Lost Water. And he knew all of the answers, I assume, just because he had played it a lot. He said in Discord he was just smart, but... Smart ass, maybe. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was like, he got into a little bit of an argument with Jim. I was like, fight, 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 kiss. I don't know, he hasn't shown back up on Discord today unless he's logged in right now. Um. Oh, is that who I kicked? Oh shit! I didn't do that. I meant to click. I'm, no, that was me. I clicked the general voice chat instead of the general. No, no um, he's still there. Text. Yeah, it's Fender something. For Formadras. 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 I don't know how to say that. That's his name. Uh, it's that one guy. Oh wait, that's a different one. He chatted with me for a couple of minutes back and forth. Uh, just in you know in general chat about streaming on mixer and a little bit about a couple of operating systems. And then I went to bed. So, but, but yeah, at, at this stage, I don't have any, any problems with him really. It's more picking, was, you know? Yeah. And also picking on you for, I don't know what you broke. I broke the internet. Apparently that's fine. Cause yeah, that was just ridiculous. Uh, anybody that wants to go back and just look at just how sluggish that was, just uh, take a look at the end credits. And I think that says it all, right? Yeah. It was just like, tick, 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 tick. Hey, was it you who said the thing about the, you know, the gift? 15 versus 30 versus 60 FPS? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was real bad. Yeah, it looked like it was doing about seven. <laughs> Thankfully, there's not. It, it was the perfect of... uh, cinematic experience. <laughs> Oh, touche. Touche. But yeah, I mean, I like it. I'm I'm looking forward to actually to playing it with, like, my in-laws. Um, or, you know, the next time some of our friends come over for, like, dinner or whatever. Like, hey, check out this game. Playing it with them. That would be fun. It's not really good for two people. It's not something Katie and I could really play together. It's just the nature of the game it is. Maybe the trivia. Uh, you don't know Jack. But mm -hmm. none of the other games I don't think would work without more people. Yeah, which I'm not sure of the 
uh, uh, the minimum number of players on any of the modes? I think it's just two for most of them, but I just, I don't think they'd be fun with just two people. It's one of those things, you know, the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. Lots of board games are playable with only two people, but they're not as fun. So, yeah. I don't, uh, I you know, I like it, but I don't really know if I have much else to say about it. So, moving on to your uh, Lone Solo game? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to, I've got two left. Uh, Derail Valley, which I talked about last week. I just wanted to quickly say, like... Oh, so you're so, derailing the Segway. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I talked about it last week, um, brought up, you know, a bunch of issues with it that I was like, if they just fixed this stuff, I could recommend it a lot better. So we record on on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, they updated the game, and they were like, hey, we've been hearing community feedback about the non-VR players. You're welcome. Uh, being unable to teleport. So they added that. Um, it's, it's more simplified. You can only teleport to the nearest station, but it teleports you to the nearest station and spawns a train for you that you can drive because not all of the stations have the diesel uh, engine which is the only one you can drive at the beginning until you get the license for the steam train and then they also fixed the problem with trains or with loaded train cars just derailing you know at the slightest anything that's you know even one mile an hour too fast or you know going across a bump or something they said it was an issue with um, collision collision mesh issues, and it was like causing the physics to go crazy, and it would bump the train cars off the track if they connected with each other mm-hmm. too hard. So they fixed that, and I have played it quite a bit since with my kid, uh, maybe two, between two and three hours uh, this past week, and it's a much better experience. So still pretty bare bones. Um... You know, if you want more than just, hey, I'm going to drive this train around in first person and make a little money and do a little exploring. Like, if you want something more than that, it's not there. Um, Still sort of a pretty, like, train enthusiast-centered game. But, I mean, they fixed the two biggest problems it had. So, yeah, I could now recommend it as, like, just a general curiosity if you see it on sale for a few bucks. And then if this is something that you're into, but you don't have a VR headset, well... That's okay. It now uh, has some more quality of life features for the non-VR folks. So, yay! Uh, The other game, though, that I played this week, the big one, was uh, I played the Anthem demo over the weekend. And, uh, boy, do I like this game. I like it a lot. So, I'm a big fan of the looter shooter. I really enjoyed the first Destiny um, before they ruined it with the business model. Hmm. I really liked uh, The Division. I mean, I still like The Division. Um, I picked it up, you know, cheap a couple of years back now at this point, I guess. Played through a bunch of it with people on here in the community. Really enjoyed enjoyed that. So, and I've been looking forward to Anthem for a long time. I mean, the idea of flying basically Iron Man suits around in a looter shooter open world with Bioware on it. You know, initially I was like, ooh. But, you know, I have reservations, which I'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, I've been looking forward to it for a while. My biggest fear has always been, like, you know, EA is going to cram it full of loot boxes or 
do crazy microtransactions or really wreck the progression of the game. And the demo, at least, doesn't have those problems. Now, the demo is split off from... Uh, I think they said it was from the last build in December, uh, right before the game, air quotes, went gold for distribution on consoles. So they have said that they have made changes to it, fixed bugs, and adjusted the game balance, which the game balance in the demo, I thought, was pretty good. Well, at least they're so uh, not that's calling a worry. it a beta, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was very happy they didn't call it a beta. But, uh, so that's got me nervous. Uh, because I feel like the game is very well balanced around just playing. Um, there are, de- I mean, there's definitely going to be microtransactions. There is a premium currency. They have stated uh, that the microtransactions are going to be for cosmetic only stuff, which, you know, depending on how you feel about that. But for the demo portion, it also like depends on premium, how much you actually trust them to keep that promise. Yeah, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. Um, Lift but, with the legs. You know, I really hope I'm wrong, basically, on this. But, you know, the amount of currency that you got uh, was, you know, it felt, you know, like it wasn't too grindy. I'm sure there would be items in there that they haven't released yet that would be more and be more grindy. But for getting, you know, getting all of the general equipment, the the currency acquisition felt pretty well balanced. The actual leveling up of your character felt balanced properly. Um, okay, well... Uh, it's funny you mentioned uh, that because I just happened to go over to Reddit uh, because you know, I figured I wasn't going to have anything to contribute to this. So I started looking at politics, but I clicked on r slash games and Polygon Anthem 19 changes from the demo to the live game. Okay. So let's see. Voice chat with strangers on by default. Uh, that was off by default in the demo. Squad location I mean, that's status will be uh, easy to find. Turn off. It was easy to find in the demo? Uh, let's see, there's a squad widget at launch, uh, uh, so it looks like some sort of mobile app, maybe? Okay, don't care. That's uh, walking whatever. around Fort Taurus will be faster. That, yes, I was about to bitch about that, so hardcore. You walk so slow. Uh, let's see, frame rate will be fixed on consoles. Uh, at a blazing 30 FPS. Oh, they said it was gonna be 60 on 1X and... PS4 Pro. Well, they Did just they said reel that, that back. Well, uh, uh, this is responding to different tweets. So, uh, random guy says, "Will the frame rate be fixed on consoles?" And Ben Irving, uh, who is I'm just double checking, uh, lead producer of Anthem. So you know, someone that might be in the know says, "Yes, uh, at thirty. At uh, yes, at launch thirty. And does it give any caveats to the uh, pro? So, no. Let's see. Pr- Sucks to be them. Let's see. Promote to leader will be available for squads. So, yeah. Uh, inscriptions will display correctly rather than at 1%. Or, sorry, at 0%. No idea what that is. Uh, I'm not sure I know what that is either. Premiere and detonator abilities will be more clear. I mean, that was pretty clear. It would tell you if you had a possible detonation. Uh, so, those work like the Mass Effect combos where that you know you get two effects that can create like a big explosion or another effect. And I mean, it tells you on all the weapons what the detonation combos are. And it'll like, whenever you would hover your cursor over an enemy, if you had an ability that could detonate, it would say like the ability would light up on your HUD and it would say detonate if you used it. So I don't know how they could make that any clearer, but okay. 
It will be easier to see underwater. Uh, it will be brighter, essentially. Let's see. Okay. Inscriptions will be uh, for the correct javelin each time. So, loot. Uh, I guess. Uh, no, it looks, no, it looks like it's uh, fixing a bug where it's showing the wrong thing. Oh, okay. Let's see. One of the new javelins will be unlocked after the game's tutorial. Okay, so there's four possible javelins. Um, it gave you the ranger, which is like the default sort of jack-of-all-trades one. And then you unlocked a second one in the demo. Yeah, let's see. So we are stuck with the ranger until we level up the full game. So uh, you get the ranger plus one. Not sure if you get a choice or what. It let you choose um, between the other three. So it sounds like it's demo, pretty much the, so. uh, the same then. Uh, weapon and ability balance has changed. Which, uh, there's a bad one for you, huh? Yeah, I mean that, depending on how uh, they, they, they do They it, just say some changes are, uh, were made, but it's not final balance. I mean, that one's hard to say. Most of the balance that I'm talking about is like progression and things like that. The thing with looter shooters is that you're always going to kind of be balancing like what's OP and what's not and whose supers do whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's something well, that you know, talking, might be frustrating. But uh, Talking about the looter shooter. Uh, crafting items and materials won't be purchasable for real money. Which if they okay. did, you know, that's a dead game. What, made those materials purchasable? Yeah. Because, you know, just the whales would be able to do everything and they would uh, bounce around, uh, you know, the whales be able to just you know, buy everything. Yes, there's no PvP, so I'm not sure exactly, like, I'm not trying to say you're wrong, well, I'm well, just not sure they, how that uh, would the work. The grind. Yeah. They would bounce yeah. a, around trying to maximize the grind because, is it inherent that they'll bounce around, you know, well, if you just... Buy, uh, you know, spend five bucks instead. No, but we're talking about EA and the AAA gaming industry as a whole. So, yeah, of yeah. course it'll be uh, balanced around it. Just look at, uh, well, the last Shadow of Mordor game. They actually had to rebalance the entire last act when they removed the microtransactions. Yeah. So, it, is that all of them or is there more? I no, 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 there's still more. Okay. Let's see. Game performance will be improved. Likely and the game uh, performance was okay. Likely not I'm much sorry, for just... next weekend, but there's uh, things in the main game that's uh, improved. Yeah, I mean, the game performance was okay. Um, I mean, my GPU was definitely a bottleneck. I mean, the RX 480 is not like a terrible card, but it's two years on from its release, and it was a budget card at release. But, I mean, you know, turning off sort of the usual, like, turn down post-processing, turn off motion blur... Reduce V-Sync, which I know is more CPU-bound than GPU-bound, but, mm-hmm. you know, turn down those things. Um, somewhere around between medium and high settings, I was averaging 60 just about everywhere. There were a few places in Tarsus where, uh, Fort Tarsus, where, like, crazy lighting effects would sometimes just, like, wreck my frame rate for a minute. But the general gameplay, I had a steady 60, no problem. Uh, let's see. Players won't be able to hold on to Echoes indefinitely. Uh, echoes are these consumable items you can create with the crafting materials. Um, they give you squad bonuses and things like that when you go out either on missions or just to explore the open world. I didn't use any of them. Um, I didn't do very much like, uh, gathering and crafting. Like I messed with the system for a hot minute just to check it out. So I'm not a hundred percent sure how that works anyways. Let's see. Screen size could be adjusted. This is more of a console thing. 
uh, my screen is too big uh, for uh, uh, the TV is going to be. Uh, uh, why do people type like this? Uh, is there going to be a setting to fix that on release? So essentially trying to uh, shrink down the display. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. The launch bay will be a, social, a new social hub. Yeah, they talked about that. Basically, when you're in Fort Tarsus, you're you're by yourself um, because the story portion, uh, the Bioware story choices and things can't really affect the open world. So Tarsus is kind of that cordoned, off, cordoned off from everything. Um, but they have a social area where you can gather, meet up in your, your suit, uh, in your javelin and check out your friend's cool stuff and chat that way. Uh, let's see. All cosmetics will be earnable with in-game currency, but they don't say how long they they just say, uh, nothing will be uh, locked behind monitor transactions. Okay. So let me talk a minute about the cosmetic system since you brought that up. It goes with the... I mean, the color palette is as impressive, if not more impressive, than Warframe. Um, It's got something like 200 preset colors. Uh, You can, you know, create custom colors with a color wheel or, you know, entering RGB values and stuff like that. Um, And you can store up to 100 custom colors. And then you have 200 preset colors. Plus there are... 16 different finishes for your suit um and then there are multiple different material types i think there's 12 material types that the finishes each look different on and then also there are paints different paint schemes i assume the different paint schemes are probably going to be microtransaction or behind yeah, the, the premium they, currency they weren't they weren't in the demo but i would be really surprised if that wasn't uh behind the premium currency um but none of the color stuff showed up in the because they had the stuff separated between like the default and then the uh, uh, the the cosmetic items that were purchasable for the premium currency. And none of the colors or um, armor finishes or anything were behind that. So there is a massive amount of customization you can do to your suit. I mean, as much if not more than what you can do in Warframe. Um, the suits. Both of the suits that yeah, I which had... Which is impressive the, because Warframe is one of the more in-depth uh, customization things. It's just there's a lot of microtransactions. But then again, on Warframe side of things, it's locked behind a uh, premium currency as well. But uh, the premium currency is tradable. There's only... Well, there's some that's uh, real money only uh, at this point, but not a lot. But that that is expanding, so... Yeah, that is yeah. A, a little troubling on the Warframe front, but that's usually uh, also uh, player-submitted stuff. Yeah. So that's a uh, revenue share. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up since you had brought it up. Continue. Uh, let's see. Enemies shouldn't evaporate anymore. They're making it so that enemies just don't disappear. I mean, that didn't seem like too much of a problem. That's pretty standard video game stuff to uh, video kill game an enemy even? and they, yeah, ding, you know, you kill an enemy, they disappear or evaporate or, you know, burn up or whatever. I mean, that's fine, I guess, but I didn't really even notice that just cause that's what video games do. Uh, let's see. Uh, factions to work for. We've talked about reputation changes. No. Okay. Anarchist free, uh, Lancers sent no, uh, Sentinels and uh, represent uh, the factions currently, 
and uh, Anthem. Doing missions and making uh, conversation choices during the free play events all give you specific points towards each faction. Getting those points applies to challenges which unlock crafting blueprints and other goodies. They also change the look of your uh, personal Fort Talus. So, the factions actually do something? I don't know. All of that content was not available. Like, you could go up and talk to the faction leaders and you could have some basic conversations with them. But anything for, like, missions or the special equipment or whatever was grayed out. And it would say, this content is not available in the demo. So, I have no clue. My best guess is that it's going to work something like the other looter shooter type games like Destiny or whatever. And uh, you can get special gear from them and be sent on special, like, dailies, essentially. Yeah, that's um, basically how it works in Warframe. Uh, yeah. You uh, equip a cosmetic that, uh, as you grind experience, it converts a certain amount of experience. I'm not sure if it uh, takes it from the pool. I don't think it does. Uh, and converts it to a faction reputation uh, currency. And yeah. uh, as you level up the faction, you have to essentially max it out on each rank and then uh, sacrifice an item, usually uh, a fairly decent item, uh, as well as some of the non-premium currency to level up to the higher rank to get better stuff unlocked. And also, uh, you get a free item from that rank. Uh, so, it, yeah. it's worthwhile to do, but also, uh, an interesting thing on Warframe's front that I'm not sure if they'll do it on this probably not is that the factions actively work against one another so uh, as you level up uh, uh, let's say faction A well they have an ally that you get half a rep for so faction B if you get uh, you know tw uh, 20 rep faction B will get 10 but on the flip side of things Faction 1, which is opposed to Faction A, you lose rep with. So eventually you always, you become enemies with someone. And once you drop to a, a certain point of being hated by them, they'll actually send death squads after you <laughs> uh, to invade yeah. your missions. Which is um, a system I, I really like. I don't know if that will play out, but it's very clear from the story content that was available... Uh, in the demo that the freelancer faction which is your like the faction that you're a part of mm -hmm. is not very popular um there are a lot of people that hate you for one reason or another so i don't know if that will be possible but there is a chance based on how they've set up the story content that they've revealed so far so who knows uh but yeah that's all of them okay so that's covered just about everything uh the two parts that i do want to talk about briefly the first is the story um, you know, it was just a snippet, you know, uh, what do they call them? Vertical slices or whatever. Yeah, which uh, I hate that term because, you know, that's, you never know if that vertical slice is actually in the actual game. See, yeah, uh, the, that one alien game, right? Uh, Colonial Marines. Yeah. But you, you had, uh, four story missions that covered sort of, I guess, uh, an arc or character arc or something. Um, and the writing is good. The voice acting is good. I recognized some of the voice actors from other Bioware titles, um, particularly Mass Effect. Uh, and, um, shoot, what's the one with the dragon? Dragon Age. Uh, particularly Mass Effect and Dragon Age, you know, the more recent games in those series. Just, I recognized some of the voices. Um, but within, like, the 90 minutes or so, it took me to do those those missions, um, you know, a character I knew nothing about and was kind of dropped in the middle of their story because 
the the character that you're interacting with is obviously a, a, an important side character um, based on what you know you're doing for him and sort of the little arc that you go through. And you know, within that time frame, I went from not knowing who this guy was to actually caring about him and wanting to help fix what had happened to him. Um, which you know, I'm not going to spoil at this point in case anybody you know wants to is really interested and wants to check it out. But um, it's you can see the writing influence from them. Unfortunately, the you know the true Bioware RPG choose your own adventure type play thing is definitely not going to shine very much. Um, all of the choices are binary, be they dialogue choices or actual decisions you're making about something. You know, yes or no is my you know am I nice to this person? Am I mean to this person? Whatever. And there is some stuff you could do with that, obviously, and I've seen them, you know, do it in other games, you know, with more minor characters. But it sucks that, you know, we're not going to get a full Bioware experience, which I didn't expect that going in. Like, that was never very high on my expectations. I'm actually pretty impressed with what I've seen so far, with what they were able to do with the limitations imposed upon them by this type of game. But it's definitely not going to be a Mass Effect or a Dragon Age or whatever level of experience which, on depending on the person with the recent Mass Effect, may be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't help so. myself. No, that's fair. So, you know, again, not a lot of it shown, um, but definitely Bioware's strengths still shine through in that aspect, and I really hope that the rest of the game can kind of live up to that, or, you know, maintain that standard, I guess is a better way to say it. The final thing is the gameplay loop, which I started out saying, like, I really love the gameplay loop. But it feels different. Um, it doesn't feel like any of these other types of It's you more know, ability based uh, from everything shooters. I've seen. Which some people yeah. are decrying because it takes away from the aspect of being a well, looter shooter. But I like that. I like that aspect. I've all in the games I've played before I always focus on the abilities more than just the shooting and the looting because that's what makes the game more unique or more interesting to me. Um, it, if you take those things away and you stay on the ground and just run around and punch people and shoot people, it feels like the division, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I liked the way that the division played, but if that's all it was, it would not be exciting, but you throw in the abilities and the, you know, the combos, the detonations, like, you know, what there are in mass effect, um, you throw in the flight aspect of it and how good that loop can feel um flying into a situation using your abilities doing maybe like a ground pound throwing enemies off then depending on what your next ability is maybe like a sort of a bubble shield to protect yourself um then throwing out uh an, an elemental grenade you know maybe fire and then your teammate throwing in a lightning grenade and it creating you know an elemental explosion or for me playing the colossus like that's definitely my preferred class out of what I checked out and what I know about the other classes. Uh, the Colossus has got roughly 10 times the health and 10 times the shield of the other classes, but you don't have your, like your shield is a, an ability. So you, you know, pull your shield out. When you pull your shield out, you can't shoot, but you can still use other abilities. Um, so, you, you know, the Colossus is designed around pulling aggro. So, you know, jump, drop into a situation, do like a massive ground pound, um, get people off balance, then deploy your shield, pull aggro on all the enemies, get them in a line or something for your teammates, 
swap to your artillery cannon or your mortar, blow them away maybe, fly up, get a new position, do it again. It's all very quick, very fluid, and comboing those abilities either with your own stuff or with your teammates just feels just mm, perfect. I love it. So um, as long as they don't wreck, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm speaking highly of this game, but as I said before, it's a build that they have from December. We, you know, we just spent some time talking about changes that they're making, uh, particularly to balance um, and talking about, you know, the microtransaction system. Depending on how they go with it, I could see myself either buying and embracing this game or just throwing it out the window. Like, if they put loot boxes in, I'm out. I don't care. Whatever. I'm out. I'm not going to do that. If they really wreck the the gameplay progression balance um, in favor of microtransactions, which I don't trust them to not do that, uh, depending on how bad it is, um, you know, you're just going to have to wait for reviews and things. Depending on how bad it is, you know, I might be willing to go in on it at a certain price point, maybe down the road when it's, you know, the the expansion content is included with the base game or when it's on sale at some point. You know, I might be willing to go into it for that. If it's way, you know, if it's way too exploitative, way too grindy, uh, you know, I'd still be out. I just don't have time to dedicate to that. If the game released, you know, today, as it was in the demo, just with the rest of the content, I'd buy it right now. Um, I, I liked it that much and felt like that the gameplay balance and everything was fair. So basically it's on them at this point to how much are they going to muck it up? You know, how much are they going to get in there and sort of turn the dials to try and maximize, you know, spending player spending and things like get that. All the money. Yeah. And you know, if it's, if it's too much, I'm not going to buy it. Um, but if it's, you know, they don't mess with it at all, or if they just tweak it a little bit, I'd be willing to buy it at certain price points um, in in the future. So it'll probably be, you know, like you were, I think you said this when we were just chatting before we started recording, uh, you know, you kind of have to wait like a month or so. Yeah, because, after the, these because types that's of the new thing release. is that they release the, you know, the gold version. Then they roll in all the microtransaction bullshit after the reviews come in. Which is just so fucking scummy, isn't it? Yeah. So, the game to, like, the general public, if you didn't pre-order any of their stupid special editions, is... I don't know the exact date. I think it's in, like, two weeks. It's the, towards the, fact the end of that, February. The, the fact that EA Help tweeted out a flowchart. Or a, yeah. a table. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, right? Yeah. So, if you didn't pre-order it at all... You know, the different special editions basically give you different launch times. But if you didn't pre-order it at all, I think it's in like three weeks, two or three weeks, whenever the game, you know, releases. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, which uh, Jim Sterling actually talked about the whole, uh, you know, missing out syndrome. That uh, Yeah. Which is, FOMO, uh, which is right. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So probably around this time in March or around that time in March, like last week in March. uh I'll see. I'll see where it's at. I, and I, would, make that I would wait till April. Just because of, yeah, them waiting to see what, uh, yeah, after everybody's able to play it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Anthem, the, the Anthem demo. I, I really want it 
to work out, but I have no good faith that it will, basically is where I'm at on this. So, prove me wrong, EA. Prove me wrong. <laughs> so with that out of the way... Yeah. Um... Ready to? Do you need a quick break, or are you ready to move on? I think I'm ready to move on. Okie dokie. Unless you need so to hit the elevator. No, I'm good. So we'll move on to the game club game, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. If this is your first time joining us for game club, hello, welcome. Uh, what game club is is that Rage and I typically have very different types of games that we play. Oh boy, is that uh, taste in games? Is that not as apparent as this time around? Indeed. Uh, but yes, different taste in games, things that we like, dislike, and go for. Game focuses. Club is a way for us to... Oh, Indeed. Sorry, uh, sorry to cut in. But Game Club is where we eat, you know, we pick a game, we both sit down and play through it, and then come together and talk about it. And we include the community as well. So up front, uh, on this one, before we get really get into it, we got a couple of community submissions. Um, one of them was a rather long text letter from ghost shark which uh depending on exactly where it fits in i'm going to record it and then put it in in post we have both read through it and if something comes up that is related to it that we need to talk about we'll bring it up um i might just lead with it actually and cut it in around here hey guys it's your friend the slacker sending in a written letter for a change because real life says screw you there's no time for you to sit around and talk to yourself i promised i would send something in for the vgl game club of the month so here it is. Coming under the wire a bit, but hey, better late than never, or in this case, almost late is better than not at all. Anywho, on to the game. Before I discuss what I thought about the current playthrough, I thought I'd delve into history a bit. As some of you are aware, Vampire Bloodlines was a sequel of sorts, the first game being an RPG similar to Baldur's Gate series, only in full 3D. First released in 2000, it's the story of a knight in the Middle Ages, Kristoff, who was turned into a vampire, and his sudden inclusion into the vampire society. It took place over centuries, with several locations being featured. You adventure through Prague and Vienna shortly after Kristoff's embrace. Then the story shifts to modern day, and you visit London and New York. All the while, you learn the early origins of the lore that exists in the Bloodlines games. Unfortunately for me, I suffer from a short attention span, and while I love the game and story, there was something missing for me to really get stuck in, so I never managed to complete it. Not really a mark against the game, it's just something I've struggled with since I've begun gaming, and it's why I have yet to finish any old-style RPG like that, like Baldur's Gate or early Fallout titles. Which brings me to the first point I'll make about Bloodlines. There's something about the combination of the story and the way it was delivered that kept me engaged. It's also what keeps me coming back every few years to take another crack at it. With Bloodlines putting you right into the action rather than showing you a view from above, it makes your choices feel more visceral and direct. The game managed to grab my attention from the beginning, and I enjoyed the strange balance between combat and social abilities, and how the difficulty could ramp itself up depending on your choices. Of course, that could lead to several hard situations if you didn't keep some sort of balance, but that's a whole other issue. Bloodlines came out in 2004, right in the middle of my first deployment in Iraq. It was on my radar well before release, because that was right around the time of my first major dabbling into tabletop RPGs. We had a little group that played a few sessions of 3.5 D&D before collapsing, and I had a friend who had promised to start up Vampire once we got back to Texas. I was actually home on leave when it released, but never really had time to install it before heading back overseas. Thanks to my brand new gaming laptop, I was able to pick up back home though, and I was eventually able to enjoy the game during my off hours and managed to bang out a few hours a night between work shifts, mortar attacks, and the occasional Halo 2 practice match. I say eventually because since I hadn't been able to install and set up the game prior to returning to Iraq, by the time I was able to get settled back in at main base and get Steam working and connected, 
I was met with an update that took about four days on the local Haji internet. Fun fact, Bloodlines 3 was the third game in my Steam library, the first being Half-Life 2, the second being an indie title called Gish, and if I remember correctly, I banged out a full playthrough while in country, and over the years have gone back to the well several more times to reminisce and try the game from other clans and playstyles. My first and short-lived attempt at the game was the Bruja clan. I had figured that there was nothing that couldn't be solved with a punch to the face or some bullets. I drastically underestimated the power of social interaction in the game and realized I missed out on some fun story bits, so re-rolled a character after a few hours. Enter my Ventru character, and the first person I managed to beat the game with. It was interesting being able to screw people's minds and order them around, but by the end I found myself basically scrounging every bit of XP into combat skills just to catch up to be relevant when words and wits weren't enough to solve situations. Unfortunately, this was back in the early days of the game, and you really got a sense of where development was rushed or cut to finish other areas of the project on time. I've had several other playthroughs over the years, from a Toreador heartthrob to a gangrel I imagined as an Edwards-Jacob hybrid, and yes, it was around the time of the Twilight craze, get off my case. I tried the Nosferatu, but just wasn't really enjoying how you had to sneak around everywhere and be the monster of the night, so to speak. Without doubt, though, my favorite clan to play was the Malkavians. From the interesting dialogue options to the combat abilities, I was able to enjoy just about every interaction in the game. And the dialogue was full of funny or interesting quips with the occasional prophetic insight into events that would happen later in game. Plus the ability to take the easy route in conversation by using blood magic to give other people a little taste of crazy was fun, too. And poor Heather. As a Malk, if you turn Heather, the troubled girl you first meet at the hospital in Santa Monica, into your ghoul, she becomes just as scrambled in the head as you. For this most recent playthrough for Game Club, I made the promise that I would stream a playthrough of it during the month. I was pumped to get to play my Malk again and just have fun cheesing it up with craziness. Unfortunately, between real life and DOJ commitments, I wasn't really able to devote a lot of time to the game and so barely got to the downtown area. But when I did have time to get into it, I was having a blast. So... I don't plan to stop just because the game club is over. I'll keep streaming this when I have time, because to me this is a case of a game living up to the nostalgia. Even though the game may not be perfect, what it tried to do was novel, and I can't think of any vampire-themed games that have had a lasting legacy that Bloodline has. While looking through information about the game as I was writing this, I saw that Paradox got the rights to the Bloodline's franchise in 2015, with their CEO stating that when the time is right, I guess a sequel will find its place in the market. To that I say, for a game old enough to be getting its learner's permit this year, I think the time is more than due for a successor to the title. Because it would be good for you guys to have the context of the letters <laughs> going forward. Yeah, you like the little pause. Yeah. That's my quick editing cue to see. Ah, yes, here's where the thing goes. But anyways, uh, put it in there. That way uh, you guys have its context going forward as well. And then we get sort of a summation from Cube uh, about what his sort of uh, overall takeaway was from the game, which... I think will be better to bring up during the actual discussion itself, uh, particularly when I'm talking about things. Yeah, because you're going to be because... talking about this mostly. Indeed. So, uh, right off the top, very generally, Rage, did you like or not like this game? Well, I have to say that out of all the game clubs I've played so far, which has been all of them. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, Indeed. I would say this is fighting for Dragon Commander as my least favorite. Uh, Skyrim is number three on that list, by the way, but uh, that's only because you can throw enough mods at it to make it be, uh, be decent. But, right. yeah, I'm a gameplay guy, alright? I'm not mm -hmm. a fan of horror. I'm not a fan of stealth games, and even though this does have the option to not be stealthy... You know, it kind of really pushes you to, uh, into at least somewhat stealth in the very beginning. 
because she's just not strong enough to do anything else. And you don't have the uh, you know, the uh, stuff to be able to do you know, go toe-to-toe with a lot of things. So, yeah, that's two strikes against it uh, right away. Then, um... Oh, what's the proper term for this? Uh, some really, really weird choices on uh, just how the controls are mapped. Especially the... Uh, you know, weapon ch- uh, swap. Because I, I decided, you know, I'm going to go do just complete default controls. I'm not going to change anything. And th- th- this ought to give you an idea of how odd things are. I didn't know there was quick save because typically quick save is F5, you know, in pretty much every game ever. It's F9. <laughs> yep, F- I told you that, like, over this, over the weekend when we were talking about it. Yeah, F9 is usually quick load, so, you know, you don't hit that, right? Yeah, F9 is quick save, and F12 is quick load. Yeah, to change weapons, you start hitting F1 or F2 to uh, switch between melee or uh, ranged, and then you have to cycle through them, and then, uh, I believe it's uh, left-click to be able to draw them. So, yep. in order to do that... um, Okay, now, uh, the developer's keyboards may be slightly different, but for me... I have to take my fingers off the movement keys. And typically, whenever I'm wanting to swap weapons, that means shit's going down. Right. Am I the only one that's seen a problem with this? I got killed a couple times because someone was charging me with a melee weapon, and I had my uh, pitiful little uh, pistol, which I figured out why I didn't have the shotgun, by the way. The shotgun, uh, I believe you get from uh, that... uh, uh, side quest on the beach that actually bugged out for me and I didn't get any of the loot from that oh okay the the fir- the one where you go up like to the hill yeah no yeah 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 uh, that bugged out I got nothing in that oh, okay everything dropped through the floor and every time I reloaded oh. it it dropped through the floor out of uh, reach and I didn't bo- and I didn't bother with the console so yeah this that should tell you, you know, my experience with things. I mean, I got stuck indoors a lot. I got stuck trying to get into a, a, a air vent half a dozen different times. It just so irritated the ever living fuck out of me. What what rate or what class or race or clan whatever? What clan did you play? Uh, well, whenever I did the character creation, at first I did the questionnaire, and every time a uh, yeah something that says yeah you know, uh, well you'll face them or you know, you'll uh, go in and beat their villain and shit out of them, uh, I took that. So of course it gave me the stealth class, the uh, Nosferatu. Is that the one that you actually played? No. Okay. No, because I as say, I was I going was... through the uh, tutorial and they uh, started talking about. Oh uh, yeah, you're going to be uh, you know having to play uh, stealthily. You're going to have to go be going through the sewers. You you can't be seen by the general public. No, 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 nope. I, I, so let me just sorry. Uh, so I ended up. Uh, it's the one that starts with the T, the Toberone. Oh, what, wait, wait, that's a Toriador. Yeah, that one. That's the one that I played. Okay, so let me just for anyone who's listening who hasn't played Vampire, there are I believe nine different. There's five different uh, clans, and then there's a bunch of different histories that uh, affects your character. I did like the character creation. Uh, There are things in this I like, by the way. (laughs) I didn't hate everything. Yeah, so there's basically nine different classes that you can play, and each of them have, you know, their various, like, special abilities or whatever. The two that I was told 
don't play for the first time are the Nosferatu, which look hideous and immediately give away that you're, you know, some sort of mutated creature. So whenever people see you, you lose um, a point essentially in the your brownie. Yeah, a point in the masquerade, which if you get if you lose five, it's game over. Right. Or the Malkavians, which have contact with like the demon world or something, but basically they see things almost like they're schizophrenic. And so the dialogue doesn't make any sense if you're playing through it the first time. It you get all sorts of stuff like thrown at you that foreshadows like future events and uh characters interact with you differently and it makes it really difficult to understand anything on the first playthrough. So those two I was told by Ghost and Cube, don't don't play those the first time. And I was like, Well I want to be a character who's like really good at communicating with people and I want to do like a bunch of dialogue based stuff and they were like you should probably be Toriador. So that's what I that's what I went with. Yeah, but then late game that kind of falls down, huh? Yeah, so this game suffers from the uh what I'm have dubbed the wedge effect. You start out at the beginning, there's tons of stuff to do, ways to do everything and the farther you get uh, in the game That's when your underwear wraps up, right? Hey, the farther you get in the game because of different developmental choices and then problems that they were facing and deadlines and stuff the game narrows its focus to basically combat and toreadors unless you balance them out on purpose you're leaning much more into all of the different charisma type stuff uh and uh, into the more intelligence dexterity based things for sneaking to avoid combat and then you know communication to bypass as much stuff as possible so you get to the end game if you haven't prepared for it and you're horribly underpowered, which I was, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, which I was by the time I got to Chinatown, which is the final area, but I was warned about it. So basically all the side quests I knocked out in Chinatown going towards the end game and then the, you know, the last couple of quests leading up to it, I was just like all of my points into combat, into combat, into combat. So I balanced my character out, I think just barely by the time I got to the end. Um, which I have not finished it. I got way farther than you did. I put about 45 hours into it, but I spent a ton of time exploring everything, every new Yeah, I only put about five going... or six in, and that was mostly me just getting frustrated. Yeah, and I, you know, I explored as many side quests as I possibly could. I'm in the whole, like, I'm into the end game. I've, I've got the sarcophagus, which I guess I'll talk about in the story in a little bit, and then I'm rescuing the scientist man who can open it or who's supposed to be able to open it and after that uh there might be one or two other like small things to do but then i know it sort of branches off and it's like okay you have to make your choices for what you're going to do for the end game like which faction do you side with and you know things like that so like i'm right there at the end game and i do intend to finish it i thoroughly enjoyed this game i agree with everything that you said about janky controls um, Especially, and I, I could get past janky controls if I actually cared about the game, or if uh, it wasn't in real time. Because you know, one of my favorite games is Dwarf Fortress. You know, uh, the poster child for janky controls, but it's not real time, and it has an interest for me beyond, yeah, you know, or I should say, it has an interest for me, and <laughs> just in general, right, um. And I'm, you know, we've said this time and time again, but, you know, in case you're a new listener, I'm a story guy. You know, if gameplay's good, I like it. Obviously, I just talked about how good the gameplay was in Anthem, and it made me want to buy the game. Like, 
if gameplay is great, that's awesome. But I can put up with a lot of bullshit if I really get into the story. Yeah, and, and the story can, in this game. Yeah, and I can get past the uh, janky controls if the gameplay is good. But this, uh, that, that, and also the movement just is so weird. Define weird. It felt like everything was covered in ice. I did not feel that way. Uh, at either all. that, or I was on. I had roller skates on. Because there was uh, there was always this weird acceleration and stopping. I don't, I don't feel like I experienced that at all. But again, this could be one of those things where that because you're more picky about that stuff, you noticed and I didn't. Yeah, it, yeah, it felt like uh, the movement wasn't uh, <sighs> saying that it flu- uh, wasn't fluid enough. Isn't quite right because there was a, a type of acceleration that felt a bit more realistic, but it's like. You are constantly running at like a full sprint, even though your character d- didn't look like it, you know, uh, which comes down to the whole animation problem as well that the game kind of presents itself with, especially. Did you play a male character or a female character? Male character. Okay. I played female. I don't know if that would have anything to do with it. I do get what you're saying about full sprint. I mean, basically it's full sprint or you hold down shift and you walk very slowly. So I do get that. Yeah, but, but I didn't. Feel... Yeah, but yeah, but the thing is that it, you're not moving fast enough to warrant uh, skidding to a stop over the course of like five feet. When I go back and play it, I'm going to see if I notice that now. And, I uh, and, like... and that was something else that kind of took me out of it because in some of the stealth sections, I actually overshot where I was trying to stop <laughs> because I kind of like skidded out around a corner, uh, Scooby Doo ish almost, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I ever had that happen. I'm really thinking hard, and I don't recognize that as happening. I'm just going to have to pay attention when I go back and play it, and I'll report back. Yeah, this um, may be one of those things that I picked up because it, I'm a gameplay guy. Yeah. Um, I, I Yeah, and I avoided combat so much. Oh, the like, combat is just horrible in this. I didn't think the combat was too terrible. I got into a routine that kind of worked for me. So you have different vampire powers that do different things. Yeah, which... Uh, is there anything in the game that says exactly what those uh, different powers do, if you don't remember them? Uh, Yes. When you go to your character screen, you can hover over it, and it tells okay. you in tooltips. Uh, because I, I hovered over it, and I didn't get a tooltip. So maybe, maybe it was ho- broken. You have to hover over the actual like XP dots, not oh. over the word. Oh, the of course, itself. of course. How dare I hover over the damn word? And it tells you based on the dots what it does, and then each oh. dot tells you like what it changes for the level up. Um, but the the Toriador's vampire abilities, one of them is called Celerity, which basically makes slows down time for or changes your time perception, like Matrix style. You move fast, and everyone moves slow. So if I would get like jumped in combat or I was in a bad way, I'd pop celerity and run. And the fact that they were moving slowly usually gave me enough time to hide and change weapons, which not obviously like that's not ideal. That's not perfect because of the wacky, you know, weird control layout. But and also, I mean, that was well, kind of well, that, well, a, the loop I got into for combat. Yeah. Well, also the fact that in order to change, unless you go into the hotkeys, which then you have to you know, remember those. Uh, the default way to change the uh, the different powers is the mouse wheel to scroll through them all. <laughs> Which that didn't bother me all that much. I, I, tip, I typically use mouse wheel to scroll through things unless it's just like tons of things. But you only have four? You've got your three vampire powers. Uh, five, isn't it? The, the heal, 
and the buff. So yeah, five. But okay, so <laughs> blood heal and celerity were one and two basically, and those were the only two that I almost ever used. If I was going to use the buff, the only thing I used it for was to boost my lock picking skill. Mm-hmm. And so I'm usually like yeah, which I did still. like the fact that yo. Know, uh, the stats uh, made more of an impact on the individual skills outside of just you know, them being flat combat stats. That's something I did like in the level up system where yeah, the- uh, if you, uh, uh, instead of putting points into like, well, ha- hacking or lock picking, you can put points in the stat that they are directly based around and get more and of you- a, a overall boost. And, yeah. and you also so- have the buff ability from the, uh, vampire abilities, but I I was having trouble actually getting enough blood to power myself. I just it seemed um, like I never was able to find people to feed on. That's a problem in the beginning of the game, um, which is fucking irritating. Um, but pretty quickly you get access to the blood bank. Um, yeah, I pissed him can... off. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Um, you can also uh, hookers. Hookers are a good way to get blood. Yeah, but then Basically, you start running into a problem with money. Yeah, money becomes a non-issue after the early game. Again, like, you know, that's one of those things. Like, it's early game constraints that I felt like were teaching me how to use my powers sort of efficiently. Well, I think it's uh, more of I was getting uh, hung up on the gameplay. And honestly, I didn't give a shit about the uh, the overall world or the themes of it. I, I, I found... Uh, it's not that I think the game itself is horrible. I do recognize that there's uh, you know, glimmers of a, a better game under the first rough like five or six hours that I just got stuck on. It's just, for me, the game is about the worst game you could throw at me possible. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Because um, the... All of the things that this game is the worst at and that have aged the worst over time are the things that really frustrate you as a gamer or as a game player. Yeah. Um, whereas those things don't quite bother me as much. So I would Well, also, I'm an older gamer story. than you, so yeah, I've seen the evolution. Well, I mean, I was playing... Let's see, this came out in 2004. I mean, I was in high school in 04, which Damn I know, kid. I know, I'm young, whatever. But I was playing, you know, games like this and had been playing games on PlayStation and I was starting some PC gaming around this time. Like, I was playing a huge swath of games. And going forward, like, I've seen the evolution of this. You know, there's things that stick out to me that feel very much like maybe Elder Scrolls borrowed them or maybe they borrowed them from Elder Scrolls, maybe from Morrowind and then reiterated on in Oblivion or whatever. But, like, you know, I see those things and I can see the evolution of the game mechanics. Well, I just look Um, at this even... Comparing it directly to Half-Life 2, which are released on the same day and under the same engine. Yes, I realize, yeah. and we're talking native support with the engine versus them working with essentially a prototype. But yeah, the uh, uh, the gameplay is just so much crisper in uh, uh, Fallout 2. So it's not the engine or even the age of the game, it's just... And them not knowing how to handle it because it was uh, source was a brand new engine at the time. Or you said Fallout Two? Do you did you mean oh, Half-Life, sorry, Half-Life Two? Sorry. Okay. No, it's fine. Um, I'm sitting here yeah. sitting on the uh, uh, Steam homepage and you know, I'm seeing Fallout here. <laughs> there are some things I like about the gameplay though that I wish that 
more modern games had. Like, for example, it, I know that it could come across as tedious, but I like that whenever you go to do stuff on a computer, you have to type in the commands you want, like an old uh, command prompt or, you know, DOS line system. I I liked that. I was like, okay, that's cool. That's uh, neat. I can and, get into this. In bits, I think it would be all right, but doing it for long term, uh, I think yeah. it would get very old. And also... There's a slight problem with being able to do that on a console. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, we weren't playing on consoles. So. But, yeah, well, I'm talking about modern games. Modern yeah. games have to consider the lowest common denominator. Yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> Shitty peasants. Uh, look at me on my PC high horse. But, no, I like I liked that. And there were plenty of, of computers in the game that it felt appropriate for as well. Like, there were lots of... Um, computers that I think you would still see in certain applications about there, like Commodore 64s and, um, you know, machines that clearly would be running on DOS or, uh, sorry, MS-DOS or maybe, you know, Windows 3, uh, you know, the, that era of computers in certain areas that you go to. I mean, you get, you know, in your second apartment that you get, you get a really nice computer. I think you've got a laptop in your first apartment that that wouldn't quite make as much sense with. But I thought I thought that that was a nice touch. Um, so that was something that really, really stuck out to me as being like, oh, I wish that details like this were in more modern games. And there's lots of little details. At first I was annoyed by the fact that there's no like on-screen map or anything. Oh, uh, well, there but, is a map. Well, yeah, there, I know there's a map you can go to. You can go to the bus stops and you can look at the maps on the bus stops. But yeah, which initially I, found I was, an interesting immersion, uh, uh, choice. Yeah, that, that was, that was it. That was about what I, what I was about to say like that is very immersive and I kind of miss some of those aspects in more modern games where it's like, Oh, here's the marker that tells you exactly where to go and exactly what to do. And I, you know, there were times when that was frustrating and I had to go online and look up like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? And sometimes I would find that the game had just bugged out and I would have to reload an earlier save to get through. But there were also times where I was like, Oh, yeah, why I, didn't I yeah, think some, of that? Yeah, some of the, the detective work in the opening area was very well done. It's just, I was so frustrated by the gameplay. Uh, as, yeah. Uh, I didn't get to finish the storyline or the quest line, but uh, finding uh, the, uh, well, finding Lily is a good example. I finished her quest because I pissed off the blood bank guy. Yeah. And doing the detective work for her uh, to find her was, uh, you know, uh, uh, actually probably my favorite experience out of it. It's just, it's bookended by just so much utter frustration because, well, uh, to give you an idea of, uh, something that I went through on that was uh, part of that, or, or I don't think part of it, but uh, part of the, that particular quest song, but I ended up going upstairs in the clinic where uh, she's being held. And whenever you go up there, you uh, run into a, a security guard wandering around. All right, fine. Well, I'm a Toreador, so, you know, I have uh, the ability to, you know, essentially talk my way out of a lot of situations. Uh, so I you know, said, oh, no, no, I'm supposed to be here. And he says, okay, we'll see your way out. Well, I go uh, start poking around there, and I'm starting to get hungry, so I uh, save and uh, quit out of the game to go eat dinner. Come back, load in. The guard's pissed with me. Unloading, or sorry, loading and re or saving and reloading the game clears that flag on that guard and turns him hostile. Yeah. And I ended up losing a fair amount of gameplay to that. And like I said, there's just so many things that just irritate the ever-living hell out of me. Some of them bugs, some of them uh, conscious design decisions. 
uh, like uh, like I said before, I lost a good bit of loot that would have helped with another quest because uh, I ended up being essentially an unwinnable fight to finish off another quest because the good gun I'm supposed to get in another quest dropped through the damn floor. And I didn't know the command at the time to do no clip because I didn't even you know, consider that. So, yeah. Yeah. Some some of these issues, like and, and I was playing I, I never, with the, and I was playing with the latest community patch. Yeah, I, I was too. No, no, I, I mean, have... I, no, I mean the one that came out during Game Club. Oh, I didn't swap. I didn't know there was one that came out. Another one that came out. Yeah, there was one that came over. out a, a, about a week or so in, so I ended up swapping to that, and I was still having these issues. I didn't have a lot of those issues. My biggest thing was occasionally, like, a, the next part of a quest wouldn't load. And I'd have to reload until it did. Or just hard crash. Like system lock crashes. I had about four of those in, you know, 45 hours. And then I had another, I don't know, half a dozen crash to desktops. That, that was my biggest frustration. Um, and sometimes they would happen in areas repeatedly. And it would happen, you know, multiple times during a gameplay session. Sometimes I would play for, I played for like eight hours one Saturday and had no problems at all. Perfect gameplay for like eight hours. And I was like, yeah. And then the next time I played, it was like hard crash to desktop. Hard crash to desktop. Hard system crash. Force reset. It's like, okay. So it, it had uh, it had moods, I guess. But no, I did not experience the type of bugs that you've talked about. And again, I don't know if I'm just got lucky or, or if my particular if I didn't system do didn't like it. Yeah. Well, uh, so. How did you approach the beach house? Because I went in and I turned off the power. So uh, I basically talked my way in. Yeah, I um, talked my way in, but then I was goofing around and I found the uh, the breaker box and I just decided, yeah, I'll turn off the power and uh, yeah, fight him. So what I did was I, I, you know, I talked my way in. I found my way into the back room where the guy was. I closed the door so that no one could see me. Um, and then I had a conversation with him and I convinced him uh, to give me whatever it was the explosive yeah stuff like i used my seduction power because you know i was playing as a female character so i used my seduction powers to to do that and whenever you seduce someone um you start making out and then you go in and you bite their neck and then that leaves them sort of dazed for a little bit of time um but then i just decided to kill that guy so i i fed on him until he died and because he's you know considered like a hostile character you don't take any any negative you know, consequences. Yeah, because that. that's another thing is we didn't talk about was the humanity factor. Right. So you've got humanity, um, and then we talked about the masquerade points. So humanity is on a scale from zero to ten. And the higher your humanity score is, the less likely you're to go into like sort of a berserk mode, um, which happens when either you're low on blood, so you know your vampire's hungry, or when you've taken a lot of damage. Um, and when you go Berserk, there are some benefits, and it happened to me a couple of times in gameplay. Um, you do lose control of your character. They basically go on autopilot and start attacking whatever it is that they need to be. But you get a huge stat boost for all of your combat and defensive stats. And Berserk actually saved my ass in a couple of boss fights that I was about to lose. Where I went Berserk, and then during the Berserk, I was able to do enough damage to kill the, the boss. Um, but, you know, the chances increase for that the lower your humanity is. And killing innocents uh, drops your humanity. Mm -hmm. 
And there's sort of different zones in the game. Um, there's, uh, let's see, there's masquerade zones, which are not combat friendly. If you're going to, you know, feed on people and things like that, it has to be done in uh, secret, you know, secluded areas where you don't can't be spotted. Or they have to be willing. Like, that's why I said prostitutes earlier. You can pay prostitutes to make out with you, and then you feed on their necks. And as long as you don't feed so much that you kill them, there's no negative negatives to that. Um, and then there's... I forget what they're called, but they're like zones where, like, the big sort of um, important characters are that no combat is allowed, no vampire powers are allowed. Yeah, essentially uh, the neutral zones. Yeah. The, the only one that's allowed is the blood buff. Yeah. I think blood heal also. You can do that. Blood buff and blood heal. But, uh, and then there are basically combat zones where anything goes. And if you, you know, start fighting people, as long as they're not considered an innocent, uh, you're fine. And anybody who's going to shoot back at you is not considered an innocent. So anyways, I killed this guy, but because he was behind closed doors, nobody knew that I do it or did it. And feeding counts as a stealth kill. So I, I just killed him. And then I found like a huge fat stack of cash and a hidden panel. And I just walked out. Later on, I came back and killed him for funsies. Once I was really powerful, I just came back and wiped him out cause, just because I could. But for the initial quest, I seduced him and then killed him. Yeah, and for me, I went in uh, essentially swinging a baseball bat and uh, had all the loot fall through the floor. Yeah. I didn't find the hidden panel. I'm not sure if, uh, yeah, if that was just I didn't have the... Uh, uh, skills to be able to spot it because that's an, another uh, skill check yeah so i mean you can still find those things if you just like go around and mash your face on everything and press uh, f is it f to interact or mm -hmm. e whatever the interact button is um but if you've got the skills for it they light up you know they, they sparkle and it's like ah a thing of interest yeah, yeah they're like a twilight vampire <laughs> yes yes they are um let's see what else before I guess I could talk about story some, but that's just going to be a lot of me doing some basic explaining about what has happened and how I feel about it. Um, let's see. We talked about... Oh, I so I like the XP system in this game mm -hmm. um, because a, lots of RPGs just encourage you to, you know, kill everything or explore everything or whatever, and you're only awarded XP for either completing quests or, you know, completing, like, steps and quests yeah. um so that helps to encourage different gameplay styles um because you don't feel like you have to kill everything to min max mm -hmm. so that was nice i like that and speaking of you know the ability to like approach things differently um you really could bypass huge sections of things by being able to talk your way through something or sneak past something and sneaking is maybe a little more common in other games just you know avoiding enemies or whatever but, uh, for example, the, the, the one that sticks out in my mind the most is uh, in one of the later sections of the game, the Hollywood section. You're doing sort of another investigation. You're trying to track down um, a, a specific videotape uh, that has got evidence about some sort of demons or something like that. And you're, you know, you're trying to find the evidence so you can figure out where these things are and go deal with them. And it leads you to a cemetery in Hollywood. And there's been a zombie outbreak in the cemetery. And there's a guy that's staying in a, a shack down there. And every night, he deals with any zombies that pop up. And when you go in, um, one, of the, one of the steps in the quest is to get some information from him. 
and he tells you like, hey, I'm, you know, I want to go to the strip club and see if I can get laid. I've been here for, you know, so many days. I just like, I need a break. So if you want this information, you're going to have to deal with the zombies tonight. And because I was playing a female character, I uh, just seduced him. I didn't really seduce him. I just was like, I mean, I don't want to do that. How about I just have sex with you? And he's like, what? I mean, yes, sure, if you'll have sex with me. So there's, you know, the like the uh, I an air quotes sex scene where that, uh, you know, it fades to black and there's, you know, sexy time noises. And then it comes back and he's like sitting on the couch smoking a cigarette and you can talk to him for a minute. And he's like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, really good. How was it for you? And you can, you know, obviously you can be mean or you can be nice or you can just kind of be honest and be like, oh, I'm a vampire. So sex doesn't quite do it for me like it used to anymore. But you're pretty good, you know, or whatever. And then you completely skip having to do the zombie thing, which you can come back later and you can do that as just like a challenge if you want to you want to try it out. And I tried it after the fact, and I failed miserably. Because, it's I mean, it's all combat, and I'm not a combat-based character. So if I hadn't, you know, been able to approach that in that way, if I had been forced to do it as a combat challenge, I'm not going to say that I couldn't have beaten it. Um, you know, I could have sort of learned the pattern of where the zombies spawn, and thankfully doing headshots with your weapons does massive damage to the zombies. And even the shitty little thirty-eight, which is your starting pistol can kill the zombies in one headshot but i mean it would have been a slog and i just bypassed the whole thing with some dialogue and there's multiple instances of that happening in the game uh, early on something you might have seen i don't know if you did or not um was there's a quest where you go into the art gallery on the uh was it malibu beach uh that... i didn't go into the art gallery so no okay well so there's like a sort of a bonus objective for that quest is to do it without killing anyone so that you don't make a big scene but there's a security guard there and i was able to seduce the security guard um you know via my dialogue choices he's hilarious it's like a big fat guy um and he i mean he's very proud of himself and his accomplishments at being like uh i think he was like a football player or something he's like yeah everybody on the team called me chunk (laughs) and he like he likes it so you can like seduce him like well chunk how about I uh, uh, give you, you know, something to take your eyes off this place? And he's like, oh, what, what have you got in mind? And, you know, you can make out with him and then sort of knock him out and sneak in. It, you, you can also, con- like, there's dialogue options to try and convince him or intimidate him to let you go past as well. But I chose the seduction option. I basically fucked as many people as I could <laughs> in the game. Um, so, you know, that's... I. I different ways to do that and he shows up later in the game too he's the main security guard for Le lacroix lacroix i can't remember how to say his name the main like vampire boss that you see in the game he's not like the highest level vampire in the lore but for what you go through he's the highest sort of level or you know most senior or whatever i don't know exactly how to say it but uh he's the security guard in his building so i wonder what would have happened if i had had to kill him or had chosen to kill him if that would have reflected poorly on my future interactions with LaCroix but and there there are many 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 examples of that throughout the game um, even certain boss fights and things can be skipped via dialogue um, yeah unfortunately I got uh, the first boss I encountered was one I couldn't skip yeah that mini boss you have to kill him yeah and I had the shitty little pistol because you know, I lost the shotgun 
if you would have killed him, you you get a samurai sword. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, every time I got him low health, he just charged me, and because of the absolute shit uh, uh, weapon change mechanics. Yeah. Uh, by the time I swapped to the uh, you know to my baseball bat, he already got a couple good swings on me. And you know he would kill you in four or five hits. Yeah. Um, later on in the game, you can get armor or you know armored clothing and things like that, which you know can affect your stats, but give you big defensive boosts and things like that. So, I, I honestly don't use armor though. I use heavy clothing, which gives you like one point of armor and doesn't negatively negatively affect your stats. And the other armor types I've found give you more defensive bonuses but negatively impact your stats and I'm like I don't want that. So I've got like this red kimono thing that's considered heavy clothing. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But um there's something else I was going to say and it just like flew out of my brain. Dang it. Uh Oh, okay, so something else you mentioned was that you don't like the horror aspect of the game. Yeah, well, you don't I, like horror? Yeah, I'm not a big horror fan, so you know, uh a vampire-based game, you know, does nothing for me. There's not a lot of horror elements. Well, I'm There's talking like about the haunted... theme. I'm not talking about, you know, the typical jump scare, that sort of thing. Right. I didn't... I I see where you're coming from. I didn't feel sort of the same uh, it, way about it's, it. It's more not... It's more being apathetic to a game that's already highly pissing me off. Yeah. So I didn't have the drive to you know try to look past the issues like I do with Dwarf Fortress, where yes, there are things about it that I absolutely hate, uh, particularly with how the game is controlled. But it does enough right that it makes me overlook them. Uh, it's I just don't have that drive for this. So right. there's no positives to counterbalance the negatives outside of you know, a little glimmer of light here or there. Right. Um, the game doesn't typically lean into the horror side, though. The horror, you know, aspect of, of vampi- vampires and vampiric sort of lore. Um, there's yeah. a few parts. Yeah, there's more like a haunted house. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, which I... Definitely. Yeah, yeah whenever you said, oh, the haunted house is a horror segment. Well, that's uh, that was one of my two choices of going. The other one was bashing my head up against the Asian vampire again. So I noped out. Yeah. There's like two horror-esque segments in the game, and there's some stuff that I'd say you know occasionally feels kind of spooky, but uh, there's not a lot of jump scares. The haunted house is the only place that has really any jump scares at all, and even they're not that bad. I I run screaming from the tiniest little horror thing in anything, and I was able to get through this with only some mild anxiety. So. Well, it's just you know, take was, that as you will. It but. was more that I was actively hating the game at that point because yeah. I I played uh, you know, five six hours of this, and I probably had two hours of progress because I lost so much progress going through and having to reload and uh, getting frustrated, walking away for a bit. Uh, this yeah. uh, this game actually shows kind of the weakness of the game club where. Uh, I would have uh, not forced myself to try to play it that much, and I would have had a more positive experience. But because I forced myself to continue trying to play a game I was already disliking, uh, it became the Skyrim Syndrome. Yeah. I mean, this is one of only two games we've really hardcore disagreed on, is this 
and Skyrim. Yeah, well, Skyrim, uh, my problem with it is that it's dumbed down compared to what the series used to be. Yeah. Which it makes me wonder if going back, you know, with how jank uh, Morrowind was, uh, if I would still like it. Yeah, we could totally do Morrowind and or Oblivion for Game Club in the in the future. Those are on the table. Um, I'm trying to, do you have anything else on your mind or I'm trying to think if there's anything before I sort of dive into the story side of uh, it to talk about not some really of what's on the going technical on. aspect that I can think of. Okay. So the story of the game, and I'm going to try and be as spoiler free as possible, but to talk about some of this stuff, I will be revealing a few key points. I mean, game club is always, you know, very spoiler filled, but just in case, because of how story focused this game is here, there be spoilers. Um, so the game starts out after you go through character creation and you are a newly sired vampire by someone who doesn't really get much mentioned beyond the very beginning of the game, um, who creates you without asking permission and they kill him for it and they're about to kill you and- Or her. Or, yeah. Oh, oh, if you play a male, is it female? Yeah. No, no, here's the interesting part, all right? Okay. If you play male, it's female. If you play female, it's male. If you're gay, it's the same uh, gender. Yeah. That so, makes sense. I completely missed or forgot about saying... Because, yeah, well, I mean, the game doesn't really care. Like, you can try and seduce anybody. And there are some characters that will be into same-sex relationships and some that are not and will completely reject you no matter what your skills are unless you can just dominate their mind. So I didn't even think twice about that, which is good because I tried to bone down with everyone. Good source of blood, that boning down with people. <laughs> uh, sorry, I I just saw another headline. That, that, uh, this is going to have to be on next week's uh, show, I think. Okay. Uh, continue. Um, I'll, I'll text but, you what it is because I think it would be a good chuckle for you. Okay. But after that initial point in the game, basically you're just dropped in and... And like, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what can I say? I have nothing to say here, so I'm uh, poking around the internet. Right. But uh, anyways, you go out and basically you just get dropped in and LaCroix, LaCroix is making you a pawn essentially in the game of... I don't know, vampires or sort of this big political of vampires and masquerades. On. Yeah. Either you suck or you die. Hi. Um, but he just drops you in and he's like, Hey, go see this dude and take care of stuff for me. And there's this sort of looming thing in the background. They refer to as Gehenna, which I don't remember exactly where it comes into the story, but essentially it's their, the vampire doomsday prophecy about the end times. Uh, and there is this, artifact that's discovered it's a giant sarcophagus that they believe contains one of the early vampires uh essentially the the farther up the top you get towards the original vampire which in vampire lore is cain from the bible is in cain and abel cain is the first vampire Uh, the closer you get to him the more powerful vampires become so they believe that there's this incredibly powerful vampire that's locked away in this uh sarcophagus and opening the sarcophagus and waking the vampire starts the end of the world. And there's some people who believe that and some people who think it's bullshit. And LaCroix thinks that it's bullshit and he just wants to get it because it's an artifact. 
and he wants whatever valuable secrets it might contain as an artifact. And the main thread of the game takes you on this winding quest through multiple sections of L.A. to find that sarcophagus and bring it back to him. Um, and in doing so, you interact with the world at large, and doing the side quest reveals a ton of lore about the game, uh, a lot of very interesting things that you can dive into, plus obviously experience to level up your character. Uh, and I found the story and the lore and the amount of exploration to be incredible. Um, if you don't like vampires, if you don't care about this stuff, you know, this this genre, I guess, of, of stories, um, unless you're really big into just being a lore nerd, there's not a lot here on offer because it all is occult-related. It all is, uh, you know, very gothic-related. Um, There's not a lot of, like, Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula-type vampiric stuff in here. They actually make fun of that. There's one section in the game where that you get not captured by vampire hunters, but in order to complete a quest, you have to actually go and basically submit yourself to testing to some vampire hunters, and they run you through a bunch of classical stuff. Like, there's a guy with a cross, and he's, like, holding the cross to you, and it's like, oh, it doesn't appear to be doing anything, and then you, like, just eat the guy with the cross. <laughs> um, uh, they try, like, silver bullets and things like that. They try exposing you to UV radiation and... um just all kinds of like garlic uh things like that laser beams kill you that's a thing you can get killed by the laser beams but um so you know they make fun of that stuff throughout uh and make fun of the idea of vampire hunters and a wooden stake through the heart being what kills them yeah they said that it like will that. paralyze you yeah it will paralyze you but it won't kill you um so they do a lot of clever stuff like that. Uh, the game doesn't take itself too seriously. It certainly has some very serious moments in it and asks the player some very important questions that it doesn't judge you for whatever uh, answer you take. Um, in term, you know, There's no morality or system or anything. Basically, just you lose humanity for killing innocents, but that's not a moral system. It's just like sort of you're becoming savage, which can uh, you know bring out that... The uh, beast the beast inside um, which you know can have its own positive or negative consequences but the game will allow you to kill as many people as you want if you want to play that way you know go for it so it doesn't judge you for that and it presents you with different scenarios where you can you know interact with people in different ways do you free someone from slavery or do you leave them because it's beneficial to you or the or an early one uh, do you save someone that's dying by giving them some of your blood to enthrall them yes so that's interesting so you can make her your ghoul. Her name's Heather. Um, and depending on how you play that out, you can save her life and then just be like, no, you know, you're, it was a fever dream. You were dying. Um, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. If you, and if you continually reinforce that, she'll go away and just think like, oh, I guess I was dying and go about her life. But if you allow her to come in to your life and become your thrall, she uh, comes and lives at your apartment with you. Um, she takes out a, a bunch of student loan money and then gives it to you and drops out of school. You can tell her basically to change the way that she dresses and acts. At one point, if you keep her enthralled to you, which I did, so this is how I found this out. Like I, I didn't go look it up. I did this. Mm -hmm. She goes and she captures a dude off of the street 
and brings him to your apartment and ties him up in the bathroom. And you can choose what to do with him. Like, you can keep him there to feed on, and he will, you know, regenerate his health and blood and stuff. So you can come back and feed on him. You can just outright kill him with no consequences. You can release him. Although, if you release him, he's like, fuck you, I'm going to go tell the cops. So I kept him. Yeah. I kept him tied up for a while, and then eventually I just killed him. But, you know, things like that. Like, how do you play it out? And there's consequences to those things. Um, but you can, you know, you can tell her to dress up like a goth. You can tell her to dress up all slutty. Or, you know, she can dress normal. Like, little things like that. You can have multiple conversations with her. Um, to And you can choose to reveal how much truth, you know, about your vampirism and the world at large. Um, you know, and you can have different consequences for that so i uh i like things like that there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of freedom in this game to approach big subjects like that yeah i um, did like those uh, moments but like i said because i just couldn't get far in it i just never got to see them and that's what yeah. i was talking about where i see you know glimmers of light of something you know, that would like a hell of a lot more it's just <coughs> i could not suffer through it to get to it yeah. Um, but what really sucks, and I've already mentioned this, the the wedge effect, the farther the game goes on, at least in terms of the choices that you get to make for gameplay, start to drop out. Um, and the game really focuses on combat towards the end. And there's still interesting story stuff there, but it, it becomes much more linear, giving you less choices, less ways to work through or around problems. And the game is starting to lose some of its luster as I get towards the end. Um, I want to finish it. I want to know how the story ends. I want to know, you know, is Gehenna real real or not? Um, is there, you know, actually like a super powerful vampire in the sarcophagus? How do these different factions intertwine with each other? Because there's at least three factions that I'm pretty sure you can choose to side with. And I've forgotten one of the guy's name. But essentially, so there's... LeCroix, LeCroix, uh-huh. and this sort of, you know, vampire royalty sort of deal going on that you can choose to side with. And even though you sort of work for him the whole game, um, you can, your attitude towards that service affects how other vampires look at you. Because there's sort of an anarchist freedom vampire. Do you remember that guy's name? He's the guy who stands up for you and defends you at the beginning uh, so recall. that they don't kill you. He's like the leader of that faction. Um, they, you know, everybody says, we don't have leaders, we're anarchists. But then everyone's like, he's basically our leader. And it's like, okay. So his his faction, uh, and he's the faction that Jack hangs out with. Yeah, which I like Jack. <laughs> Jack is like a, a pirate vampire who's been around for hundreds of years. L- uh, once you get to the downtown area, um, he hangs out at a particular bar and you can just go talk to him. And he gives you interesting insight throughout the game on various quests, because uh, his attitude is basically just like "fuck it," you do what you need to to survive, um, and he'll tell you basically anything freely. He's got a lot of dialogue and a lot of stuff you can talk to him about, which is very, very interesting. Uh, he's cool. He's one of my favorite characters. I want him to be on my side. I don't know exactly what side that's going to be, but I want him to be on my side when I when I get through. Um, and then there's the Asian vampires who you run into later on in the game. 
And depending on how your first interaction with their sort of faction leader goes, I think we'll probably do a lot to set up some potential, you know, faction conflict for the final chapter of the game or whatever. Um, I, I might be wrong about that, but they're they're brought up multiple times throughout the game. And then when you get to Chinatown, their leader is there. Um, and I had a very positive interaction with her and I was like very honest about what I was doing. And she was like, ah, well, then you have my blessing to be here as long as you don't go after my people. Oh, there's a reference to a tentacle monster. Me saying that reminded me. There's a quest where you find a demon hunter who is trying to avenge her master. Um, and she doesn't like you, but she's like, well, I mean, you haven't done anything wrong that I know of, so I will let you be. And you can offer to help her. And if you help her track down the demon that she's after, once you finish up that fight, like he's a, uh, a shape shifter, mm-hmm. and he turns into a giant shark man, and you kill the shark man, and then there, one of the things you can say to her is, aren't you glad he wasn't a tentacle monster? <laughs> and it's like, ha ha, I see what you did there. I see. That's was one she of Asian? About the... Yes, she was. Okay. Specifically, Japanese. Uh-oh. <laughs> so that's that's one of those instances of the game not taking itself too seriously sometimes. So, I mean, the storyline is great. Like I said, where I'm at is I'm uh, tracking down the scientist man who's supposed to be able to open the sarcophagus. Um, and I just killed, I think, the boss for that location. Uh, and that's that's where I'm at. So I'm definitely pretty close to the end game. I don't know exactly how close, but I've got to be, like, right there. Um, and I do, like, I want to go back and I want to finish it. I'm definitely going to finish it. I figure now's probably a good time to read Cube's thing. Um, yeah, which, uh, do you have it? Because I would have to pull it up on my phone. Yeah, I do. Um, so he, he sent in just sort of a little blurb, um, cause I, through back and forth conversation, I was like, Hey, do you just have a quick thing or any questions or anything you want for us? And he said, I think the best part of the outline that I put together was the ending. Um, there was no Gehenna. So I assume that answers that question. Uh, all you are is a pawn in the game and all you can do is survive it. Um, you had to not open the sarcophagus or side with the Kuejin, which are the, uh, the Japanese vampires. So, so seems you like seems like your final faction choices are probably uh, pretty important. I mean, I'm gonna open the sarcophagus cube. I'm gonna do it. I have to know what's what's in the sarcophagus. So I guess that might mean that I'm fucked. But I'm definitely <laughs> gonna open the sarcophagus and see where that leads me. Um, this is a game that I don't. Mm, I don't know if I'll do more playthroughs. Like, it was really fun and uh, really interesting. Supposedly, uh, the two factions, uh, or the two uh, types of vampire that you're told not to play are the most interesting. It's just, yeah, they're not good for a first playthrough. Yeah, I don't think I would want to play the Nosferatu at all. Especially there since they're more uh, stealth-oriented in a game that focuses on combat. Yeah, there are points where I have done stealthy things and it's been beneficial or, you know, helpful to me. But being essentially forced to go through the whole game in stealth mode would not be fun for me. Um, So I probably wouldn't play them at all. The Malkavians would be interesting um, and just see how different it is when you... Because, like, one of the things that happens with the Malkavians is, you know, there's TV and radio shows that play on various things, you know, well, TVs and radios. As you go through the game... um, and apparently they actually talk directly to you about stuff. 
Um, there's a character that you meet who, I, I can't remember the, the faction, the vampire faction, but they're basically the most magical, magically oriented of the, the vampires. Mm-hmm. And when you're in Malkavian, apparently he interacts with you extremely differently. The, uh, the sisters that own the nightclub at the start of the game are Malkavian. Um, although I, they've got like a big twist. I, do you care if I spoil it? I don't. You think I care at this point? Really? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I just want to make sure they are they're sisters, but they're two spirits. I, actually, I guess you could interpret this different ways. But the way I interpret it is that they're two souls inhabiting the same body, and they're Malkavian. So um, it it seems you know you could read it as like multiple personalities or something akin to schizophrenia. But I genuinely think that. Because of the vampire, you know, the magic and vampires and stuff, I think they're two souls inhabiting the same body. Because you never see them at the same place at the same time until you finish that quest line, and it's like a half and half thing, you know, like one pigtail and one like nice, you know, kept hair, like part yeah, business fact, suit, part tits it, hanging out. That's interesting because the first time you encounter the uh, the second sister, she's having a big fight with her uh, other sister. Mm-hmm. And you go into a room that has one entrance, and she's there alone. Yeah, but see, there's a another room, and the door's closed. It's a bathroom. So I was like, "Where'd the other sister go?" And that, or you know, "Where'd her sister go?" And I was like, "Oh, maybe she's in the bathroom." And you can't open it; it's locked. And if you try and pick the lock, she attacks you, and she's way more powerful than you are. Uh, well, so. uh, later you're able to go in the bathroom, and there's uh, you know, only one uh, way in and out of there. Right, but like, you know, what I'm saying is like the bathroom door was closed and locked, so I just assumed that she had gone into the bathroom, and then later on when you come back, they're not, you know, having a discussion or fighting or anything, so I just assumed that there was only See, one See, I was going for, uh, for a, a more, uh, yeah, direct approach that there is only one sister. Okay. See, because I was exploring and basically trying to, uh, you know, open everything, I saw the bathroom, and I was like, oh, I guess she went in the bathroom and locked herself in there for some reason. You know, they're just fighting, like she's crying or whatever, so. Well, did you try knocking? I got a poop. <laughs> no. I tried picking the lock. Um. So, yeah. The, the Malkavian playthrough, I might go through and do a Malkavian playthrough because it would be drastically different. Um. But, uh. Other than that, probably what I'm going to do is I'm going to save before, you know, the big decision and go back and Before make you some press changes. the different colored buttons. Yeah, before I press yeah, the different colored buttons. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna replay through that just to see what the different endings are. And I don't know how different they each are. To some extent they might be the same just because of the choices I made throughout the whole game, but I do wanna see, you know, the various ways that the game ends and I do wanna learn as much as I can about the lore. But aside from maybe doing a Malkavian playthrough just to see how different that is, because of how janky the game is, and because of the fact that I will have gotten most of the story and most of the quests and things um, on my first playthrough because of how thorough I was, there's not a lot of replay value there left for me. So, you know, I mean... Dear listeners, and you know, in this case, probably mostly Go Shark or Cube. Like, if there's something that a completely different playstyle outside of Melkavian or Nosferatu can bring to the game, let me know, and I might be willing to do another playthrough on it. Um, 
you know, I, I and I could also go always go in and modify either my save file or using, you know, console commands or whatever. Just basically buff myself up. That way I can skip a whole bunch of the the fluff um, and get through it a little bit faster. But, you know, if, if there's really a lot more there with different decisions you can make on some of the, you know, the bigger things or the ways you approach certain characters, um, I'd be willing to do it again for that as well. Uh, just because of how well-written I feel the game was and how much I was interested in the storyline uh, or in the story content itself. So, yeah, I mean, I gave this game, you know, two thumbs up. Or maybe like one and a jank thumb up. Where you, know, one, uh, where you start like, to thumb up and the, it just drops off? Yeah, my thumb just falls up. It's like, oh, fuck. Well, that's not good. Well, I should probably get some duct tape for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, as I, a I, gameplay guy, this is terrible. Uh, and also, as someone that wasn't enthralled by the theme and uh, the well, uh, the horror elements or the horror, yeah, uh, well, the horror theme and yeah, it the the story didn't grab me because it starts pretty slowly. Yeah, and the opening area, and you're probably right that they're uh, intentionally making it a bit tougher to you know, kind of just throw you into the deep end. But, you know, it just felt so, ugh. That, yeah. No. I, I'd yeah. rather go play Dragon Commander. That is fair. And and I, I know there's lots of things we've probably missed, but I feel like we've touched on all of the big subjects, on all of sort of the most important bits. Um, and, with, you know, I don't want to get too nitpicky and drag this out, because uh, we're already at the two-hour mark, roughly. Uh so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, listeners, if you feel like there's something really big we missed, please send in something to the show. Yeah, vglpodcast uh, at gmail.com or vglpodcast on the Twitter. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I I think I'll be playing it this weekend to try and finish it up. Because um, I do really want to finish it. I may come back and give, like, an, you know, an extra little addenda once I complete the game. You know, maybe put it in games we played next week or in a couple weeks when I get through it. Um if there's something very major that I feel like putting in. So, you know, I guess in that respect, when it comes to the end game stuff, you could always wait until then, or you can send something and be like, Hey, when you get to the end game, you know, send me a message to talk about whatever, you know, but aside from that, if there's something you feel like is very important that we missed, let us know. Otherwise I think we're, we're done here Yeah. for, for this. So, uh, moving on to the next game club game that we're going to be doing for February we picked Bomber Crew. Yeah, a nice little short one that was in the Twitch uh, Prom Games for January, I believe. Can you still go back and get it? No. Like, I have it, but... Okay. No, it's already cycled. Okay. Uh, that's the problem, is that if we did the game club on time, we would have been able to say, okay, go grab it if you don't have it. But, right. Uh, unfortunately, the games have already cycled, and uh, there is a couple interesting ones that would be fun for uh to play but i'm not sure if they're game club worthy uh, let me see who has i know ghost has bomber crew oh it looks like cube has bomber crew too hey guys there you go <laughs> uh yeah, escape the moth pit but uh yeah so bomber crew uh and neat looking little indie game where you well manage a bomber crew on what is that a b17 uh Maybe the bombers change. I'm not sure. Like I've seen this game. I wanted to buy it on Steam, and then it was the giveaway for. 
I think it was January. Prime. And I went, okay, cool. I'll just get this here. Yeah, I'm starting to get quite the game library ever on Twitch. Yeah, same. And actually some really good games over there. Yeah. So, oh, it yeah. looks like there's different bombers. Just looking at the stuff on the screen, so... Yeah, I'm just looking at but, uh, uh, the this month's uh, games, and probably the only one that would be game club worthy is uh, uh, Dear Esther, which I'm not sure about. That, that'd be like, you know, uh, play the day before game club, because that's a very short game. Yeah. But this is, you know, a short, more mechanics-based game. Probably a few hours you could get it a good enough feel for Also, it in other do. words, I'll have some more, uh, something more to say then. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. But, yeah, I'm going to start playing this soon. But I, yeah. I don't want to start rambling again about things. So there we go. Bomber Crew for February. And the February Game Club episode is going to be on the 26th, which is one, two, three weeks from today of recording. So you'll have, if you listen to this podcast on the day it comes out, you'll have a little less than three weeks to jump in and play it if you want to participate. Um, and we should be back on track going into April with one, two, three, four weeks. And then May, one, two, three, four, five. Five weeks in May. So. Yeah, we're probably going to have to pick something a little bit bigger for May. But that'll be a discussion for us for another time. Yeah, because we have to have the choosing later because someone uh, decided to break it. To break it? Yeah, uh, stuff the ballot box, remember? Oh, right. Okie dokie. And this is why well, we can't have nice things. Or like how Valve is uh, not allowed to have nice things because it seems like people are abusing the ever-living hell out of the, uh, the, uh, the lunar sale. But that's not a docket item. Nope. But what but is? what is? <laughs> ah. So we received uh, this article in an email from Jim and then we are piggybacking another EA-related article to it. But EA turns in a bummer fiscal report Quote, we're disappointed in our underperformance, end quote. Well, I'm just disappointed in EA in general, so. Who isn't these days? Disney certainly is. <laughs> ah, uh, teaser for, for next week? Teaser for next week. I'm sorry. I, I was browsing around and I saw that and I just couldn't help but chuckle. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is, uh, well, Jim uh, sent this to us under the headline, uh, uh, voting with our wallets is actually paying off, which I'm actually not sure if it's them if it's uh, them being punished by us paying with our wallets or them just releasing worse and worse t- uh, games. It's a little hard to tell, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Battlefield Five had a lot of problems at launch. It had many gameplay balance issues, uh, particularly in the multiplayer portion of it, which is a big deal for a Battlefield game. Um it had a lot of server issues. Yeah, but uh, at, here's the thing is that Battlefield 5, according to the article, sold 7.3 and it missed projections by 1 million. That's a hell yeah. of a lot of copies, isn't it? Yes, I mean, 7.3 million is a lot of copies. And that's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, okay, let's see. Let's, let's do some quick math. Well, that's across all platforms as well. So that's PC and consoles. What? Four, five, six. So that's four hundred and thirty-eight million dollars in sales 
Now, obviously, they don't get all of that because yeah. retailer cuts and things like that. Yeah, but, but they don't get the Steam cut because or lose the Steam cut because you know they have their own platform. Right. So let's. I mean, you know, we could cut that in half. I think it would be somewhere between fifty percent and this. This number is the money that they would have made. So roughly, that's two hundred and twenty million uh, dollars that they would have made off of sales of the game. Yeah, and they're also saying that uh, due to a lack of update on the new mobile uh, game, Command and Conquer Rivals. Wait for Jared to, t- uh, to twitch. EA I just, also. I just rolled my eyes and shook my head. EA uh, cited delayed mobile games and t- changed to a Brun uh, Madden mobile appeal that failed to drive monetization. The company's net bookings on mobile-only products dropped in uh, quarter three of uh, two thousand. Uh, quarter three two thousand nineteen to one hundred forty-two million, compared to one hundred eighty-three million in the same quarter of the fiscal year two thousand eighteen. That's why it kind of threw me. I, I was like, quarter three, wait, uh, the fiscal year, so. That makes more sense, which the yeah. business world. You can see why I got tripped there there for a moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so so yeah, they lost forty million on uh, mobile as well. Which, gee, I wonder if it's uh, them pissing off the fan base of a certain well known <laughs> uh, RTS that's title. All of their mobile games are shitty. All of them, except for maybe Titanfall. EA would would. Uh, would be behind Titanfall. The Titanfall mobile game at least was pretty good. I don't know how it's doing now because it's been a couple of years, at least a year, maybe two years. It looks like game. the only thing that's making uh, projections is their FIFA games or their sports Which games makes in sense. general. I mean, that makes sense. The audiences for that, despite the fact that we, you know, downplay them all the time, are huge. Well, especially well, that's the thing FIFA. is that is that uh, the sports genre is like this silent uh, player base that is just for the most part, cut off from mainstream gaming because it's a lot of guys that just play Madden year after year or just play you know, a handful of the sports games and don't even interact with the broader community or even care that there's other games. Yeah. yeah. The, the, I, I hate to use the stereotype, stereotype of the <laughs> dude bro player, but it's a stereotype for a reason. Those guys exist. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but it does look like they're trying to do another Plants vs. Zombies shooter. So, hey, they get another one to screw up, right? <laughs> Yay. A new game in the Need for Speed series. And, Yay. Uh, the Respawn developed Star Wars uh, game Jedi Fallen Order. So that's supposedly coming out in this fiscal year. I don't believe them. They've canceled so many uh, Star Wars uh, games. They, they, even, uh, they weren't even able to say anything beyond the title the last time uh, at E3, weren't they? That, that was at no, E3, right? Yeah, it was a tease with the title, and yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was a t- and it was like he was making it up on the spot. It was like, uh, um, uh, he glances over the law uh, at the lawyer. It's like, wait, what, when did, did we actually get the uh, copyright on? <laughs> Do like the double take or like have like uh, the chart? Uh, uh, no, it's no, like no, on the left no. side, you know, one set of Star Wars words, and on the right side, and the other one. It's no, no, like, no, 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 no. It's not even that. He's like, uh, it's a uh, Jedi, and he glances over the lawyer, and God nods. Uh, fall, and yeah, the and lawyer's continuing to nod. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, it just seems like they just that they're 
being punished for producing shitty games and people are starting to wise up to it and they're losing the brand loyalty, which <clears throat> considering this is EA with some of the largest IPs out there, I think that's fair to say right now. Yeah. They're losing brand loyalty out of their shitty practices. I mean, technically this is voting with our wallet, but not against them being utter douchebags. It's them, you know, making bad games and they're finally getting punished for it. Uh, but EA is learning the wrong lessons from this because they say uh, that not having a battle royale mode hurt uh, Battlefield 5 sales. Yes, likely technically true, but that's not the Battlefield 5's only problem. <laughs> yeah, that's not the main issue. Yeah, which, There uh, are plenty of, of non-battle royale games doing just fine, cranking along. Which uh, EA released, what was it, today? A new Battle Royale game by Respawn? Oh, I didn't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's all over Twitch right now. Because, you know, they have all the streamers playing it. Yeah, it's uh, Apex Legends. It has two and a half times the uh, player uh, viewer count as Fortnite right now on Twitch. Man. It has over a quarter of a million viewers on Twitch as I'm talking right now. And Fortnite That's a big is, deal. And Fortnite is setting at 100,000. I mean, Fortnite's down. Uh, that should tell you something, right? Yeah. And supposedly I mean, it's actually huge. supposed to be a pretty decent Battle Royale game. I haven't looked too much into it because I'm not, you know, Battle Royale that uh, you know, attracts way too many kids. It, it's sort of like my lawn, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but supposedly they have an interesting thing where there's a respawn mechanic in it. Uh, you go in as teams. So, uh, iterating on the formula. And, yeah, maybe that's EA, tr uh, what EA was trying, was wanting to do with um, Battlefield 5, but, you know, they just utterly failed at it because, you know, Battlefield 5 kind of sucked. They yeah. trying to iterate a little bit, but they dialed the wrong way. And they were like, yeah, it, it, it didn't have Battle Royale. That's the reason. Because they looked at the latest Call of Duty game that was selling like gangbusters uh, on the Battle Royale mode. Because if you didn't like Fortnite uh, at the release of the latest Call of Duty, which I'm blanking on the name of because Call of Duty has like the weirdest naming convention ever. <laughs> Wasn't it Black Ops 4 that was the most recent Call of Duty? Uh, or was it Call of Duty World War II? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's the Black Ops one, because of the blackout mode. Yeah, it's Black Ops 4. Yeah, you can see why I get confused if I don't follow Call of Duty, right? Yeah, no, that's fair. There's because it goes back and forth. Yeah, it goes Call back and forth uh, between three or four different developers on a cycle. Yeah. Uh, but they were looking at that most likely and seeing Call of Duty selling like gamebusters, and at one time that was the highest. Uh, viewer uh, viewed game on twitch uh, the blackout mode and if you didn't like fortnite that was the best produced uh, battle royale game out there i'm not sure if it still is or you know if uh you know the balance has been mucked up or people just figured out you know eh, maybe the new uh, you know the honeymoon phase is worn off and they're seeing it for uh, something different now because i didn't see it hot up on twitch at least when i glanced over there i could Clancy again real quick. Um, 
I'm not seeing it in the top. Uh, okay, there it is. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's out. It's outside the top ten. Let's put it that way. And that's uh, yeah. It's not necessarily the battle royale mode. That's just Call of Duty uh, Black Ops Four. Right. So they're they're seeing that bump, and they saw everybody playing the battle royale mode for a time. And battle royale is such a weird thing right now, where it has the nomadic gamer base that the survival game uh, genre had. I'm not sure if it still does. Where if you release a new battle royale mode, everybody flocks to it for a time because they want to find something different or you know, or you know, see what's uh, iterated, what uh, they kept in different uh, ideas. It's a, it's kind of the wild west right now for that mode, isn't it? And I yeah. hesitate to call it a genre because it's a, it's a sub mode. It's just a lot of games choose to make it the only mode in the game. Uh, it's just such a weird thing to set, for them to latch onto not having battle royale as the main thing, you know, and not learning the other lessons from uh, Battlefield Five, or at least admitting to them, because that's the other thing. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that they don't admit to it. Like, I mean, I wish they would. I would respect them a little bit. I would, I almost said a little bit more, but that would be a lie. I would respect them a little bit if they, uh, I have were to respect their ability like, to fuck up. Do what? Say that again? I have to respect their ability to fuck up. <laughs> I, I mean, they have a franchise in Star Wars that literally prints money and they produced. Two, two three games. games. Well, well, it depends on how you view mobile. I'm not sure if they produce that mobile games in house, but they've only produced a handful of games in what five, six years. They've canceled more Star Wars games than they produced. They might have canceled more Star Wars games that were produced in the previous same amount of time. I don't know that for sure, but it certainly feels that way. But yeah, the, I mean, they literally dared their target audience not. To buy Battlefield Five, and people called them on it. Uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, Princess Bride, it's right after starting a land war in Asia and well, going against the Sicilian when death's on the line. You do not provoke your audience. <laughs> yeah, good, good pull, good pull. Because PC gamers will remember that, <laughs> and they will. will not buy the game. They will not. And I have a feeling that Deep Silver is going to be finding that out the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah. I don't... I don't... Uh, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. I don't uh, I don't expect them to learn the proper lesson. Um, and I expect there, if this trend continues, I, uh, I expect there to be cuts, which suck. But, I mean, that's what EA does, is they kill studios for any reason... Yeah, Possible. at least it looks like uh, Respawn's going to survive for another day if, uh, yep, this keeps up. Yeah. So, but I, uh, I, so I'm thinking Bioware's the next one on the cutting block. Yeah, if Anthem does not do well, Bioware is probably fucked. Uh, they are in the middle of making Dragon Age, the next Dragon Age already, which I'm not going to put it past EA to cancel that too, but if Anthem does well enough, it might buy them enough time to do to finish the next Dragon Age, and that would have to be a runaway success. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. These developers sell their soul to the devil, and then they are surprised when they end up in hell. Very true. That's very deep. 
<laughs> um, Which is the question on what circle they end up on. Yeah, but I, I don't expect EA to learn anything or behave any differently from or this. Or at least openly. That's the thing. Is that there may be some internal talks going on in EA that you know, they don't want to you know, admit their mistakes. But, yeah. I mean, I'm expecting budget cuts in some way. Layoffs, studio closures, whatever. Um, and a whole bunch of complaining and doubling and down more, on... And more loot boxes in their uh, sports games until they get outlawed. Yeah, I was going to say more doubling down on microtransactions and loot boxes to try and come out on top that way. Yeah, they suck. Fuck yeah, so uh, thanks, Jim, for sending us down this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I mean, uh, part of it was stuff, Jimmy yeah, Jam. Pa- yeah, part of it was on the uh, docket anyway, but it kind of tied everything. You're like the rug; you tied uh, the entire subject together. Yeah, and I mean the other article we were going to pull in, which we did, and we talked about it. EA says not having Battle Royale hurts Battlefield Five sales. Like that was the actual article, the other article, and I mean we worked that in. Yeah. Perfectly, perfectly. So. Yeah, unless you have anything else to add at this point, no. I think we've covered that as far as we can. So, no, uh, but we do have a glue bottle to hit, don't we? Are we going to do yes, all these uh, topics since these are pretty short? Do what? Say that again. Are we going to do all these topics since they're fairly short overall? What time is it? Yeah, it's just coming up on midnight. I like to get in bed by one o'clock, but I mean, we should we should have enough time to to wrap up these two, and we'll just skip Discovery Q. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I'll um, save my good Q for next week then. Sweet. <laughs> So our next uh, our next news topic, we're going to beat this dead horse some more. Fallout 76 it last fans week. <laughs> yeah, are in full revolt following Bethesda's latest patch. Rage, would you like to tell the good listeners what they did this time? Uh, it seems that in the latest patch, they reverted a previous patch and reintroduced a bunch of bugs, including... Uh, well, making bobby pins weigh like they're made of uh, depleted uranium again. <laughs> uh, it's just, what the hell, right? Yeah. And, uh, 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 well, that's not even the worst of it, all right? The worst of it is uh, they went around to the perk system, which, uh, for those who haven't played it, which hopefully is most of the uh, uh, of the listeners, uh, whenever you level up, you essentially get... A, a loot box, but thankfully they don't sell them yet. Yet. Of, of perk cards. And these are essentially what you would uh, choose on level up in the previous Fallout games. Well, as you get multiples of the cards, you're able to get a more powerful version of them. And based on your stats, it dictates how many of the different cards of each type you get put on. All right. Well, they went around and nerfed a bunch of them, but they didn't offer respects. So people are stuck with now either useless or less useful perks. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it, it, it's just so weird. It's like an industry standard. Whenever you do a major change to a talent, uh, I'm going to use the World of Warcraft example for uh, for this because that's yeah you know, what I was most uh, why I encountered this the most. Whenever there was a major change to a particular town or spec, there was a blanket free respec for that class. 
and it was considered pretty much industry standard. I've seen that almost everywhere. But give it to Bethesda that they're able to screw up something as basic as that, right? Yeah, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, it's just mind-blowing, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, But, it, it, I mean, what the hell, Bethesda, right? I, I realize West Virginia is a shitty place to live, but it's not that bad. I, at this point, I'm just like, shrug. That's what they do. That's all they do anymore. You know, that's my approach to this at this point. Yeah, let's put it this way. Okay, um, I went to uh, was going around the article. Uh, Bobby Prince originally weighed point zero, uh, or sorry, zero point one pounds. All right, a bobby pin. All right. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking heavy bobby pin. All right. Yeah. <laughs> A tenth of a pound. Yeah. Bobby pins probably only weigh a few grams. Well, they rebalanced the bobby pins to weigh 0.001 pound. All right. Right. A a more realistic thing. After the patch, they reset them to uh, 0.1 pounds again. (laughs) Good job, guys. You did it. uh, The the players are pretty confident they went back uh, to a previous version. Just because of the loading screen errors, uh, the inability to move upon login, that was a bug that was fixed. It's just... <laughs> uh, but they did add new items to the Atom store, so you can pay for new microtransactions. <laughs> well, of course. That's the most important thing in their minds. Getting those uh, sweet, sweet microtransactions. Uh, oh my god, they don't have that? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading through the article. I didn't read it in, as in depth because, you know, it's Fallout. Another right. poster asked for another thing that is a is an industry standard for a multiplayer game. Care to guess what that is? Industry standard for multiplayer. Oh God, there's so uh, many things for for an be. MMO uh, specifically. Clans, guilds, something like that. No, no, no. More basic. More basic. Uh, uh, something that would be uh, I don't know. Quality assurance. Chat moderators. How about or- public test server? Oh, oh. <laughs> Suddenly everything starts to make sense. I didn't realize they didn't have a public test server. Yeah. Things, it it uh, all comes into focus now, doesn't it? It certainly feels a bit clearer at this point. Turns out, uh, you know, they can't even do public test servers. At least if this, uh, you know, if this one line is uh, true, you know. Oh, that's just... <laughs> The fact that they're focusing on adding new uh, things to the Atom Store instead of having all hands on deck, which I realized the Atom Store is likely just the artist in game uh, or in company working on that, and they can't really do a lot. But yeah, there there wasn't there a lot of broken textures as well and some uh, things that they could polish. Yeah, broken textures and problems with lighting not making sense, like coming out of hills and trees and stuff. Game's got horrible pop in. Uh, yeah, uh, what? Yeah, I've seen videos of the Todd rays in, instead of the God rays. They're the Todd rays where they shoot up out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, Bethesda. <laughs> it's like every week there's something, and we've been skipping a lot of it. 
Yeah, lots of small things. But this is a pretty big one. Versioning. Use it. Or is it even able to do in your engine? Probably not. Oh. I don't. I again, another zero face situation here. Yeah, this is why I couldn't list them as my biggest disappointment for 2018 because I had zero faith in Bethesda. The only thing I wanted to uh, eventually do was just wander around the map and see what they did. Yeah, when they eventually get it working, right? <laughs> if, if they get it working. If, if it's good. Indeed. All right. So, how about uh, one last not good thing? <laughs> Indeed. Final news topic of the night. No, thank you, Eurogamer. I'll keep blocking your ads. Uh, Ubisoft, sorry for, quote, offensive Division Two marketing email flaunting, quote, a real government shutdown. Yeah, I'm not sure if I would say offensive. Uh, insensitive, maybe. Uh, and yeah. bad taste, maybe, but offensive? Uh, I think that's going a little far, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't think that was offensive. I thought it was kind of like what, you yeah. know, I, I didn't hear about it at first, but when you showed it to me, I was, you know, when I read through the article, I was like, huh, that's clever. I can appreciate that. Yeah, uh, essentially the email was, uh, hang on, I'm trying to find it on the article. Uh, uh, that's the retraction. Where's the actual email? Because that would be actually useful, wouldn't it? Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think they actually have it on here, <laughs> which is irritating. Uh, well, let's put it this way. They did it in uh, the course of uh, four hours. They retracted it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like a big, like, oh, shit moment, and then pull it back. Issue an apology. I'm going to yeah, get how... What's, what's considering, it was, yeah, it was actually Ubisoft saying that it was bad for business to be political. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that article that we talked about that ages ago. But that they, was, yeah. I mean, I don't think that was ages ago. I feel like that was fairly recently. Uh, Maybe uh, it was in October. Yeah, that's relatively recently, a few months ago. Well, remember things kind of blend together after a while for the podcast. That's very true. That is very true, uh, especially uh, since we've had a nonstop, uh, you know, uh, fallout <laughs> special. <laughs> Uh, since, uh, like, what, November? Yeah. So, you know, there's no delineation. It's like uh, the VGL podcast before Fallout came out and after. Uh, but, yeah, it, uh, it's kind of weird saying that uh, the same company that's saying uh, being political is bad for business. And then makes a political joke. But I definitely see why they did it, because it got people talking about it. It did, and there's a saying, there's no such thing as bad PR. I mean, you take a look at some of the more outrageous uh, ad campaigns out there, and they're in the public memory because they were outrageous. They uh, stuck out. Uh, the one that jumped to my mind when I was thinking about it was the original Deus Ex, or it, it was either the original, or I should say, I shouldn't say the original, but the reboot Deus Ex. Or the second... No, I think it was actually the second one where the All Lives Matter one. Oh, yeah. I remember that from... What was it? 2017? Yeah. Um, Which forever on the internet. Yeah. But another good example. Uh, EA paying uh, protesters to protest uh, 
the uh, uh, Dante's Inferno. Yeah, Dante's Inferno. And then didn't they also? No, they did the the shock ad campaigns for Dead Space with yeah. like the moms or grandmas or whatever. Yeah, the game your mother doesn't want you to play. Yeah. I mean, absolute shit ads that uh, push us back as an industry, but they are remembered for it. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense of them wanting to kind of want to push the edge a little bit, you know, push that line. I mean, I can definitely see why people are pissed, especially people that were working in the government and went a month without a paycheck. Yeah. Uh, uh, or pissed to get an email talking about, oh, come see a real government shutdown. But offensive? Eh, that's a bit much. I would say bad taste. Bad taste is uh, probably where I'd put it. Yeah, bad taste or insensitive. Or, you know, it, or, yeah. or this was a, a calculated risk. I, I, I would lean more towards them saying it's a calculated risk. And if it got uh, bad press, well, like you said, there's no such thing as bad press. They're able to spend this by retracting the ad pretty quickly. And the fact that they retracted in four hours tells me that they were probably prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, well, Figured it would be Especially a... since they said and here, uh, a... Or is no no no? This is the uh, uh, what the email looked like. It was come see what a real government shutdown looks like, and it's a uh, graphic for the private beta running from Feb seventh to Feb ten. Everything you need to know about the private beta, and then uh, the retraction emails. A marketing email promoting Tom Clancy's The Division Two was sent an error today. It was a grave breakdown in the process, and we apologize for this error. And the offensive subject line of the email: We are. We recognize uh, uh, the very real impact of the United States government shut down on thousands of people and did not intend to make light of the situation. The Ubisoft team. Yeah, I think they were, were just... I think this was a gamble, yeah, a gamble on them. Yeah, I agree with that. They decided to roll the dice yeah, and see how yeah, it Maybe that's received. my tinfoil hat you know, getting a little bit tight there. But you, know, you don't send out a mass email like that an error unless you are just running a completely incompetent marketing team yeah there's a lot of things that i think a lot of these companies are incompetent at but i don't think marketing generally is one of them no, i think sometimes anything, they make uh, bad they're best at yeah uh, but they're willing to push the line because they know that if they push the line too far and get in a little bit of bad taste that you know all the bloggers are going to start talking about their game and there's the yeah, it's so weird. The internet is in these different camps uh, politically and uh, just different cultures. Where if one group gets pissed off about something, that is actually a huge selling point to a lot of different uh, groups. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, triggering the SJWs uh, get gets the far right on your side and vice versa. Uh, uh, getting. Uh, uh, the console guys pissed off may uh, sell some uh, copies of the PC guys if it's, uh, you know, uh, pissing off uh, the, them in the proper way or vice versa. You know, it's just so such a weird playing off of different groups now that it makes me a bit sad for humanity, you know, how tribal we've gotten. 
Yeah, I, I mean, we've always been this tribal, though. The it's just, just, it's the just all, the different for... tri- all the different tribes now have megaphones. Yeah, the tools for expressing our tribalism are much uh, better and easier to access to more people. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not better might not be the right way to say it. Much more advanced. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so. It's, we'll, just, uh... it's just a crazy time we live in, huh? Yeah. I mean, we'll see, you know, if this goes anywhere else. But I, you know, I think that you, maybe I'm being a little, got my tinfoil hat on too. But I I bet you're right. I would bet money on the fact that you're right. They just decided to sort of roll the dice, see how it went. Pros and cons. That, for... If they didn't, if it wasn't a conscious roll of the dice, it was them thinking, okay, this is pushing the line a bit. But it fits too well. Yeah. But I, I think it's I think it was a conscious roll of the dice. They knew it was a, a risky ad campaign. And it's easier to say, yeah, you know, uh, uh, that was an error. We, we didn't mean it. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. Well, since we're not doing Community Corner because we kind of covered it uh, in the rest of the show, I uh, will give out the email address and uh, our Twitter once again. VGL podcast at gmail.com and our Twitter is VGL podcast as you may have expected at this point. Indeed. And since we're not doing discovery queue because we are pretty close to time, uh, gotta, I got to go to bed. Bye. Well, you gotta go uh, uh, stab yourself first. I do have to do that. It's just past midnight, but we're close enough to the end. I'll wait till after. But we are at the portion of the podcast where I go first. If you want to find my things, uh, starting out on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for a gaming psychologist. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see me tweet about all kinds of things. Recently, I've been tweeting a lot about tech-related stuff, uh, thoughts on upcoming PC builds I'd like to get in or like to be starting, and what I'm going to do with some of that stuff. Uh, you can follow me for that and political tweets and Lord knows whatever comes out of my fingers when i'm tapping away you can do so at jma4707 if you want to be my friend on steam you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur4707 i accept all of them their friend requests and enjoy talking to the lovely people although like we have stated a couple of times as part of our community refocus we also would love you to head on over to our discord you can find a link to that in the show notes and uh, jump on in and participate with everybody over there. Actually, it's to the side of the show notes. It's it's to the side of the show notes. Just uh, just search Discord whenever you're on the page. You'll find it. Is that uh, a tactic to try and keep bots away? Uh, actually, no. Uh, I probably should uh, do some sort of like capture or something, but I- I'm I'm going to uh, probably be deploying a bl- uh, bot either this week or next. Because uh, yeah, we had a spammer problem. So if you join the Discord, you have a five minute timeout. So just, you, you sit in the crate for five minutes and you're good to go. Just beware of the moth pit. <laughs> what can nice. I say? I love that gif. <laughs> it's even better with sound. What about you, buddy? Well, uh, did you give your steam? I did. Well, then the password for this week first is jank. Nice. I approve. Uh, and I think a very fitting one this week. Jank. Uh, so my YouTube channel is in the middle of a reboot. I got RimWorld going, 
uh, since we're not doing co-op stuff anymore, uh, not because we had a falling out. It's just, yeah, that's been become our game night. I need to figure out what to put there. Uh, but I'm hoping to get uh, the second series up and running this week, but I'm focusing right now on getting RimWorld up and running. Because, yeah, that's kind of, you know... Uh, first of all, I would like to actually get out of the beta builds and get into the full game. <laughs> because my usually if I'm not dead by, like, episode 20, then I'm going to, like, episode 100. <laughs> Which I'm not sure if that uh, speaks well on me or if I just make the game too easy on myself. I'm going to say it speaks well of you. Well, right now, I'm kind of in the middle of still breaking down a prisoner. And I don't mean his will to join us. I mean, I'm kind of stealing body parts. And uh, replacing them with uh, prosthetics that are of uh, lesser quality. <laughs> uh, I think in the last episode, I took his liver and I put in like a, a liver I made it with some cloth and a bit of medicine and <laughs> some string or something. It's like, yeah, this is good enough. This will filter you. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Like I say, RimWorld's like a war crime simulator. Uh, nice. he's, lo- he's locked in with my other prisoner that I'm going to try to recruit. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, seeing Rub slowly getting broke down for parts over the course of like three or four months will uh, make this guy reconsider his uh, station in life. Or I'll get a new uh, person to experiment on. One of the two. I mean, hey, he has all four limbs right now, and I could use a couple more eyes. It's win-win, right? Yeah. So if uh, uh, you don't want to see me commit war crimes, I will eventually get back on Twitch, twitch.tv slash caffeine underscore rage. I'm not sure when I'm going to start that up just yet, but if you were to know exactly when I'm going to do so, you can find me over on the Twitter, GamingFCR, my last tweet was about the Super Bowl, or that ludicrous display last night. <laughs> well, now two nights ago. Because I didn't watch it, I didn't care. Neither did I. Uh, so, yeah, it was a ludicrous display, right? So, supposedly it was a really boring game, and uh, people are pissed about the halftime show because of something called Sicko Mode or something, I don't know. I don't it, know. It, it was all over my Twitter feed, I'm like, first of all, Who? <laughs> Second of all, what? And then third of all, wait, I don't care. People were pissed about SpongeBob for some reason. I don't know. I, I think they were supposed to play the song or something. I, I went to Out of the Loop and they were talking about it. Sweet, sweet victory. I mean, I, again, I only know about that also because of Out of the Loop. My, <laughs> my mom texted me on Sunday and was like, oh, the Budweiser, the, the Budweiser Super Bowl commercial is really good this year. And I went, oh, yeah, the Super Bowl's tonight. And then you went and watched anime. Yep. Based that was a much Psycho. better use of my team. Uh, uh, of your team? Sorry, my time. <laughs> much better use of my time. Uh, plus, Bob Psycho 100 is really good. Indeed. Uh, but if you wish to tell us how good... Uh, or, or sorry, uh, I should give my Steam uh, idea as well. Uh, it's Caffeine Rage, as you may expect, once again, with all the other branding, right? But if you wish Good to tell branding. us uh, some anime to watch or games to play or, you know, just to drop out and say hi, you send your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics to... Ca- uh, to uh, and I started to say Caffeine Rage again. Uh, to vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet them to us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. 
Our Patreon uh, helps pay for our Podbean account, patreon.com slash podcast for details on that, which we do have to have a business meeting to discuss that at some point in the very near future. We've been putting that off. Uh, but our website, vglpodcast.podbean.com, has our show notes, a link to the Discord, links to all our media, uh, both on YouTube, tw- uh, Twitter, and, well, for me, hopefully, eventually, again, Twitch. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, and where other good podcasts can be found. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye. So yeah, tell me what, just go. Okay, so talk. you come across <laughs> the earth inhabited by sentient potatoes. Yo, pretty normal. And somehow the entire universe has turned into this giant machine as well. Because all the other planets have uh, gotten twisted and uh, you get these new abilities to essentially drop, what was it, potato wedges to try to hit targets to turn it into, a, like I said, a pseudo shooter. Yeah, and then you get potato towers and other things to drop on, because there's like the cluster potato. Yeah, uh, essentially a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, I'm not 100% certain of what the machine is supposed to do outside of just, you know, kind of, you know, pad the game a little bit. Maybe it's just I didn't catch the, the reference because I haven't read the book. I also haven't read the book, so I'm not sure if that was referencing something either or if they were trying to say something about the larger mechanics of the universe or, you know, the world as it was. Mm -hmm. But the ending, I think, is uh, uh, really interesting to this. First of all, that has an ending because clicker games typically don't. They typically just go on forever. But there's really two ways you can interpret it that eventually, uh, you know, you and the AI gets back to, you know, prime earth or you know your earth or whatever you want to call it but there's also the interpretation that you know you're going further and further away from it now i think i kind of like the second interpretation that you know uh, you 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 can't go back uh, because you know there are infinite uh, universes uh, in the uh, stephen hawking multiverse theory that you know uh, the chances of uh, getting back uh, you know it's so big that the uh infinite uh, probability drive couldn't even figure it out you know yeah i uh i also like prefer the interpretation of you don't get back to the you know prime universe or Mm -hmm. original universe and instead you're you know that's sort of a a truncation of your adventures through multiple or through the multiverse yeah especially whenever they ask it uh you're terrible this i'm going to take over and just constantly yeah is hitting there saying they're hitting the button over and over again you know, taking yeah. all control from you. And some of the uh, Earths are just, or they're not even Earth, you know. They're just completely warped. Uh, there's uh, uh, there's a square-shaped one that, you know, is probably the closest you're ever going to get. But no, <laughs> that's not good enough. There's the one that's like a, a head. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't there? Uh, there was I a mean, I haven't played one. this in over a year. There were... So I'm drawing a lot of this from memory. 
Wasn't there a mushroom as well? Yeah. And yeah, there was. And then the soundtrack, that ending mm-hmm. ending song, with sort of the that you know the Technicolor dreamscape or whatever yeah. you want to call it, was lovely. Just absolutely lovely. I was a big fan. Yeah, I was surprised I liked it this much. Because, like I said, I'm glad I, you did. Uh, clickers are usually not my thing. I'll toy around with one every so often, but you know, it, I usually don't. Well, you can't even finish a clicker, but you know, it's usually they annoy me more than anything else. And that's the problem right. with uh, liking management games is that if I go on mobile and I go to a clicker, or, or sorry, to a management game, nine times out of ten, it's some form of clicker. If not, then it's a, a waiting game. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, actually, probably not nine times out of ten. Yeah, it's probably closer to a toss up than anything else. But uh, this, the fact that yeah, they tie in enough humor into it as well, where yeah, it, there's not a lot there whenever you sit down and really think about it, but it's uh, drip fed to you enough, and the fact that it's so kind of odd and surreal, and the and that you're able to essentially break the game fairly quickly to the point where the clicker aspect doesn't matter and it becomes more of a uh, interactive narrative experience that's okay a little on the sluggish side because you still have to wait on the clicker elements yeah it's it's one of those games that's just yes technically it's a clicker but not yeah do you have do you have anything else spoilery to say uh not that I could really think of offhand I have to say that uh, yeah, the cutscene, uh, even though I did know a twist was coming, uh, caught me completely off guard. <laughs> yeah, I did not, I intentionally did not talk about that at all last time, because I, I really wanted people to go play it and experience it for themselves. Yeah, because... maybe you should cut out a little bit extra of um, mine, see if you can piece together uh, yeah, a little bit non-spoilerly, but uh, I, the fact that I, yeah, I mentioned a cutscene may be too much, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. The... I'll... You'll work on it. I'll work on it.